All right, all right, all right. What's the date today? It's January 12th, 2023. Happy New Year uh, again. I think, I, I mean, I, I, I said that last week when we did it, but still, it's, you know, I don't know when the last day is, is reasonable to say Happy New Year. I don't know what day that is. It's like you can't have your Christmas decorations up past, like, Valentine's Day. I remember when I was a kid that there was uh, a radio show that pranked old ladies which you know in retrospect not ideal but they were uh calling them because they had neighbors report to the radio station when people um when 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 people noticed that they had their christmas lights up for too long or had them up for a really long time and so the radio station would call them uh look them up in the yellow pages or whatever and call them and then prank them and say hey we're from the government we have to fine you for having your christmas decoration anyway classic from my childhood i don't know why i remember that um, but good times. Anyway, welcome to Scouching Live, uh, the seventh installment of the season. It is, uh, like I said, January 12th. Um, before we get into it, I want to uh, say rest in peace to a mighty musician and Jeff Beck, one of the most legendary guitarists uh, to never play with a pick ever. Um, just an incredible musician. If you don't know who Jeff Beck is, go watch some videos. Uh, maybe not be for everybody, but if you're a, if you're a guitar guy or a uh, blues rock guy or something or, or even like he goes into more of a jazz world definitely check him out he's uh you know a legend rest in peace uh sayonara um also graham slam right off the bat mentions uh nella lupushanova uh the 14 year old slovak uh playing in the women's world under 18s uh, doing really well. <laughs> she made the round scoring a Michigan, uh, the other day. Um, I mean, she's unbelievable. Uh, I, I've been watching, I haven't never seen her play until this tournament and she's unbelievable. Uh, she is the leading scorer, scorer on her boys under 16 team in Slovakia as a 14 year old, uh, scoring at a higher rate in that level than most Slovakians that age ever. I think she's in the top five for people who have played a, a large number of games in a season. So definitely one to watch. She seems to be the real deal because, uh, yeah, she's a step ahead of everyone in that tournament at the age of 14. Not bad. Um, <clears throat> so I just wanted to shout those people out before we get into who was tracked this past week and what happens for podcast for what hap what happened. So podcast listeners are informed. So uh, Oliver Moore was the first one I looked at. He moved up a bit. Uh, he's been moving up my board all year, uh, so he kept moving up. Uh, Luca Pinelli, I moved him down quite a bit. Uh, another sort of lackluster game out of him. I've, I've, I think he's started really hot and has kind of slowed down, but I still love the guy just uh, regressing a bit on me. Jaden Perron moved him down a little bit as well. I think just other players, There's you know, we can get into it if you want, but I moved him down a bit. Uh, I took a look at uh, Swede in Svante Shodin. Uh, props to Mikhail Holm for flagging him. He was very interesting, um, so he's on, he was on my list before I tracked him, and he stayed on my list after tracking him. That happens sometimes. I'll see a guy before I do the data work on them, put them on the list just because I think that they're better than some of the guys that I have on there, and then let the data work and, and the detailed look really sort of go from there. Uh, I took a look at Andrew Strathman. I didn't move him on my board at all. He is on my board, but I didn't move him anywhere. I moved Will Smith down quite a bit. Uh, after watching him this week again I think the range that he is in is extremely extremely close and I think just based on what I saw out of him in that game I just had to I just had to move him down a little bit uh, well quite a bit actually uh, I'm dropped Gennady Chali down my board a ton after another game of him I took a look at Dmitry Vlasenko uh, a guy with Omsky Yastrby who caught my eye a few weeks ago he's he was fine oh 
I spelled Jesse Kiskinen's name wrong. Please forgive me. Uh, I took a look at Jesse Kiskinen. I will fix it. There we go. Uh, he was very okay. Um, Otto Stenberg, I don't know what's going on. I mean, we can talk about Otto Stenberg if you want, but he's a guy who has also found his way moving down my board a lot over the course of the year. Uh, and Hunter Brustewitz, uh, I pulled him off my list entirely. I just, again, we can talk about that if you want, but he's a guy where I've seen him multiple times this year and going back to last year and just have never really seen a really projectable NHL guy there uh, in a, in a way, I mean, if I want to draft a guy like Brustevitz, I'm going to draft Andrew Strathman. And cause I think some of the similarities and weaknesses are a bit of echoes of one another, but if you want, we can talk about that, but he is not on my board and I don't know if he will be on my board for the rest of the year. I'll do more games of him towards the, towards the end of the year. But, uh, just for now, I just don't, I just don't, I, again, the guys I rank are guys where I feel like I would be excited to add them for a specific reason. And when I look at Brustevitz, I just see a guy where projectability is really tough. And Pontus Falk is the last one I looked at this week. A uh, Swedish kid playing in the third division on a really, really awful team. Um, a little bit of a deep cut. Again, props to Mikhail Holm for flagging him. Uh, you know, but Falk is an interesting one. So he's on my board now. Uh, okay. So let's just get right into the questions. Let's not waste any more time. Um, so we did the Nella Lopushanova. Uh, yeah, and I have been watching the women's under 18. I can't watch it as religiously as I did the World Junior because now I'm back at work and doing all this other stuff. So uh, unfortunately, I, I've been watching the games I can on, on the weekends, I think is when it started. And I was watching every game then. And I did, I mean, I had never heard of Lopushanova before this tournament, but watching the Slovakian team, you know, the, the Slovakian women's team, just like the men's team has been making huge huge inroads um and doing a really really good job bringing along better and better talent uh and Lapushanova is I mean like light I mean I thought the story of the tournament was going to be uh Adela Sapovalova oh my god um and I, I I mean she's been good she's been good and she is a very very talented I think she's 16 um, playing for the Czechs, another really fun team to watch. Just the Czech women's team really seems to promote like fun and skill and and sort of high end offense, and and she is exemplary of that. Um, and Lapushanova though has just been uh, unbelievable. I think she's got nine points in three games of this tournament, just unbelievable. So it's not just lacro- not just lacrosse goals that that really impress me, but you know the skill level and and just you know she drops her shoulders and gets low and, and drives through pressure and just all these things that not that women's hockey doesn't have that, but like she does it in a way that seems to be like you know the next sort of level. Um, so I mean, and she could be at this tournament three more times uh so who knows what she's going to be capable of in a few years um but yeah so remarkable performance and i highly recommend checking out that tournament because it's always a, a a really good time uh joe what's going on how's ivan maroshnashenko doing haven't seen a ton of them um but what i have seen he's been good right like he he's still ivan maroshnashenko that that i remember from last year thankfully um really good shooter pretty decent straight line skater um, I honestly haven't seen him much, so that's a good reminder for me to go check him out because I really haven't. I've been the VHL team in Omsk. Uh, I, I've been watching a lot more of Timur Rukhanov because he's the draft eligible there, and I love him. I think he's fantastic. Um, so yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll check him out, but from what I've seen of Maroshnashenko this year so far, he's still the same guy. Really, really good shooter. I'm, again, I think I think missing a lot of time 
and and based on what I remember from two or three years ago until now, the skill level doesn't seem to be as high high end as I remember it being a year, few years ago. But I I I mean the the speed and and the you know the sort of power game out of Moroshenko has always been pretty decent. Uh, Will Smith versus Ken Johnson in his draft year. Um, interesting thought experiment. I so Will Smith. I mean I I think with Ken Johnson. There's a bit more pace in his game than Will Smith. I think Will Smith is a guy who needs someone to get him the puck, and he needs someone to give the puck to. And he's a great he's a great connector of play, right? Like Will Smith, more than anything, might remind me a little bit more of Cole Perfetti, where you have a guy who can score in bunches, but he's not the guy with the most pace or the most defense in his game, but he kind of gets away with it by just kind of being smart and in the right spots a lot of the time. Um, And I do wonder maybe if there's a bit of an echo there with him, you know, sort of one of those more Alex Turcotte type guys, not the biggest guy, but just by being able to read the ice and make plays, he's able to sort of move things in the right direction a lot. I think Ken Johnson just had more of a, of a, of a, a uh, one-on-one sort of dangler approach to the game. And I think he brought a little bit more pace at both ends. It was just a matter of with Ken Johnson, his sort of Achilles heel was a lot of overhandling and overthinking and, and really trying to go for the fancy play a lot more than the, than the, than the, the, the play that's right in front of you. Um, but he seems to be getting better at that over the years. Uh, so I, don't, I, I see where you're coming from. Like they're both very, very skilled. They both really like to make high end creative offensive plays. Um, but with Will Smith, I think the pace of his game is a little bit more limited. He's more positionally aware, I would say. Um, but he also is playing center, and I don't think I could be wrong. I don't think Ken Johnson, when I was looking at him with Michigan, was playing much center. Um, but I'd have to go back and look at my notes. Um, Brian, hello. Oh uh, God, uh, make sure you drink your water. I do. I've got a big old, a big old, a bit of this. I got one of these uh, here with me. So, uh, luckily, I also have running water. So if I run out uh, and want more, I can get more. So don't you worry about me. Uh, and if I and if I don't drink enough water, I've got my Michael Scott Pez dispenser. That's gonna keep me keep me honest. My manager is looking right at me. So you stay right there and just make sure I stay hydrated there, bud. Uh, can you describe Michael Mises' style of play? What are your thoughts so far halfway through his rookie OHL season, and how does he compare with the other exceptional status recipients in your mind? That's a very good question. I will be perfectly honest. I have not seen enough of Michael Misa to give you a good answer on that. Um, I spend so much time watching draft eligibles that I just haven't really had a lot of time. So take this all with a grain of salt. But what I have seen of Saginaw this year and Michael Misa I mean, he's not, it's, it's kind of funny. I mean, I, I, again, grain of salt, but he's very much sort of an offensive rush guy. Like whenever I watch him and the things that I note about him that are really special is he, he juggles skill and speed really well in transition offensively. Like he just knows how to cut through defenders and, and find lanes and get the puck up the ice and make plays off the rush. And, you know, he's not like fast, like Connor McDavid is like, he's not that level of hockey player, but he brings a similar, weird my oh my hood is green screened weird oh anyway that's not a hole in my hood it's actually just the green screen anyway (laughs) distracted um 
but yeah, I mean, he's he is, but he does have sort of like echoes of that style of play, right? Like if we're talking about exceptional players, he's not nearly as fast, not nearly as skilled, not near. I don't, I don't think he's on that level. But that's kind of the style of play that you're seeing out of him. At least that, that's what I've noted when I've seen Sagana. And again, I, I should probably go and watch more Michael Misa. Um, I just again like I I don't have that much time to watch a whole lot of guys eligible for next year's draft that aren't. Like I, I right now these days, for a variety of reasons, I have been focused on either NHL draft eligibles or um the re-entry guys. So guys who could go in the draft or like junior draft eligibles. Like those are the two age groups that I've been focusing on a lot uh over the last season. So that right in there is that pocket that I would miss Michael Misa in. Um and I didn't see much of him last year. Um but yeah, that's kind of where I see him. Other exceptional status recipients, I mean, I, I again, I, I, I can't give you a good detailed uh, thing on that, but I, I do think that he is a bit of a step ahead of most of them. He's had a fantastic season, but the team he's playing on has also taken a big turn for the better this year. Um, but I think he's also a, a relatively big part of that, and I think a lot of that comes off of his his offensive rush speed and, and ability to make plays off the rush and, and just play with a little bit of a dynamic game and flow in his game which i i think is really neat uh is it fair to say bedard has surpassed mcdavid's d minus one i don't think so i mean look connor bedard is a phenomenally talented scorer and i think i i think that he is going to be one of the most offensively talented players in the national hockey league like in terms of a guy where you know in the offensive zone you get him the puck he's gonna make something happen I think he's a very good offensive transition guy as well. But I I am going I will say like based on how he plays and and all of these things like I I am just I'm not saying it won't work, but I'm very curious to see how his play outside the offensive zone translates to the NHL. Not saying it's bad. Let me get that out of the way. I'm not saying it's bad at all. He's going first overall. He's my number 1 pick. He it's going to happen. But when I look at Connor McDavid, I see a guy where you throw him over the boards at the NHL level and he's automatic. Like he, 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 you know, and not just automatic in the offensive zone, right? Like, I mean, like you put him out on the ice and you get him the puck in the defensive end. He's going to take it to the other end himself and make something happen. And he's a gifted player in terms of making that happen. And I remember watching McDavid in his draft year and that's literally all he did. And now granted, that's what Connor, Connor Bedard is doing. But I don't think he quite has McDavid's speed. I don't think he quite has McDavid's, like, forwards attacking skill that McDavid has. Like, he will come at you full pace, full speed, and dangle your pants off. Bedard kind of, you know, he'll skate right at you, but then sort of stop up and 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 pull the puck around and, and take a shot from somewhere and, and kind of have a little more trickery in his game, I think, than McDavid, which... Maybe it's going to equal itself out, right? Like maybe your boat, you're going to have one guy who's more pacey and speedy and one guy who's just more tricker, tricky, which is fine, right? Like I don't really care, which is what I mean when I say like, I'm curious. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I think, I, I mean, I think with Bedard, like he's so gifted that you, that, that I think, you know, with Regina, it's very obvious that Regina is just saying, look, when you're on the ice, give the puck to Connor and Connor do whatever the hell you want. And that's great, but I can absolutely see why he's scoring so many points. 
um especially when a lot of his points are also on the power play like it's all it's all incredible like what he's doing is unbelievable um i don't know i just i i, I like we're probably this is why i don't really like discussions of like who's the best player in the league or like who is the, you know who's the second through fifth best players in the league like i think bedard is going to end up there uh you know especially if things sort of come along well in the in the weight room and and a number of things over the next few years um but yeah i i i think It'll be very, very interesting to see how he plays in the NHL outside of the offensive zone. I think that's going to be the thing that could really make the difference between Bedard being just an extraordinarily gifted scorer and finisher and being just a really, really well-rounded, offensive-minded, just dynamo uh, that can just be like Connor McDavid where you just put him out there and it's automatic, right? Like, I think that's what sets... Connor McDavid apart from guys like maybe Austin Matthews in my mind like I really like Austin Matthews but you still need you still like Matthews isn't necessarily like in the offensive zone with his shooting and and flashes of playmaking yes he's kind of like that automatic mode and maybe Connor Bedard is going to be a little bit more like that where it took Matthews a few years to sort of have a more complete game but he it, it benefited him very strongly to do that and it might be a similar trajectory with Bedard because I don't know. I just I just feel like McDavid is just so gifted in areas that so few NHLers have ever been as gifted as he is. Um, and I mean the same is true for Bedard, just in other areas like the areas in in finishing in the offensive zone. I don't know. We, I could talk about Connor Bedard all, all day if you want. Um, anything on Mateo Man? Was he mentioned last week? I need to refresh my memory. Uh, no, he was not. Okay, so I have not heard of this player. Um, he's big, he doesn't score points, and he's big. So, oh, he's Trent Mann's son. Does that mean he's an Ottawa senator? I don't know. Uh, I'm half joking. But I'll check him out. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll check him out. Uh, do you have any info on some players who are just really good guys? I know interviews don't really happen right now, but I was just wondering. Um, no, I don't have, I don't have that <laughs> information on hand right now. Um... It is something I want to try to get more involved in uh, down the stretch here. Uh, it's something that is part of other, like when I mentioned the young, the, the two age classes that I've been watching a lot of, it has something to do with that that I can't really talk about too much yet. Um, but that I do want to push into that more. Um, but yeah, no, I don't, I don't really have any great info for you on that. Um, but I'll I'll get back to you on it. Uh, Rockstar status. Uh, hello. What's your thoughts on Pierre Olivier Joseph? He's been really good with Pittsburgh as a rookie this year. Is he still a rookie? Uh, I feel like he's been in the NHL for like four years. Did you like him as a prospect? And what do you think his ceiling is? I wasn't a huge fan of Pierre Olivier Joseph. Um, I mean, I, I I thought he was. I mean, this also was way before I got really into the detailed data tracking. Um, he really struck me as a kid that could really skate, but but didn't really know what to do with it. Like when, when he was drafted, the big thing with him was skating. He wasn't the most productive guy. He wasn't the his defensive metrics were not great, but he was really mobile. Like it, it's kind of to me similar to like Tanner Molendyke this year, where you have a guy where he's sort of a blank slate, but he's a gifted skater. So it's like you can you can unlock a lot of tools and a lot of a lot of possibilities with a defenseman like that who can skate as well as he can. Molendyke's a pretty good passer. I remember Pierre-Olivier Joseph being a pretty crisp and tight passer in junior as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised after this long of him developing and getting better that he's kind of playing okay. 
But like, I mean, my my attitude with Joseph is like for a first round pick who has been traded. Um, let me see. Oh my god, my typing on this keyboard has never been good. I don't I don't know why. Um, I miss my Logitech keyboard, but it was too big. Um, yeah, like Pierre Olivier Joseph is twenty three. He's turning twenty four. Uh, this year, like if, if he wasn't impressive now being a first round draft pick a few years ago, then that might be problematic. So it's good to see him sort of figuring it out and sort of finding his stride and sort of putting it all together because he kind of has struggled to do that. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I've always kind of had, I've always kind of liked Pierre Olivier Joseph. I remember in 2017, I probably would have not drafted him that high. Um, but again, it's similar, like, if someone drafted Tanner Molendike at, like, 24 this year, I'd go, okay, like, I could see it. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say no. It's a little hot, but I wouldn't say no. And I, I, if you had a developmental plan in place to, like, get him to a certain type of defenseman, like, lean more offensively or maybe be a more stick-first defender that can move the puck pretty well, or, or both, I don't know, we'll see how it goes. Uh, then sure, but uh, it's it's kind of like an unrefined project. So I remember that about Pierre Olivier Joseph at the time. Um, so it's good to see that things are coming together for him. Uh, I know it's important to not put too much stock in the World Juniors, but impressions on players that surprised you both positively and negatively. Yeah, so I'm actually sketching this out for a Substack post. So stay tuned for that in the next couple of days. Um, honestly, like when I went through the list of all the draft eligibles that I honestly really cared about watching this year. I don't think there was anyone that d disappointed me. Um, most of them, I would say, kind of met my expectations um, without getting into why, because that's what the whole... Oh, wow. Lapushinova is the top trending player uh, above Connor Bedard on Elite Prospects tonight. That's pretty impressive. Um, yeah, like, just scroll... I'm just going to pull up a list of all the draft eligibles that are first time eligibles this year that were in the draft or in the world juniors this year. I mean, Connor Bedard surpassed my expectations. I mean, I think, I think when you look at 23 points in seven games, I think you have to take it with a bit of a grain of salt, like under normal circumstances, Austria wouldn't be in this tournament under normal circumstances. I don't even think Germany would have been in this tournament. Belarus should have been there and Belarus would have a pretty decent team, much better, much better than Austria or Germany. Um, the Russians probably would have stymied a little bit of, of that. Like Connor Bedard had 14 points or something in the, across those two games. And I think that that colors things a little bit differently, but setting that aside, he still was much better than I expected him to be. Um, and just was, you know, alleviated pretty much every, almost every concern I had about him. Uh, and the weaker side of his game, I think came out a couple of times, but I don't care. Like the things that he does so well, like, I don't care. Like he's not, he's not going anywhere from number one on my board. Whereas before the tournament, I thought, eh, you know, I like Fantilli a lot and blah, 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 blah. Fantilli's a rock solid two for me. Bedard is rock solid one. And, and that, that was it. Uh, I thought Leo Carlson played really well again, better than I expected, but like Edward Shale, Adam Fantilli, uh, I'd say Alex Siernik and Dalibor Dvorsky all played about what I expected of them. You know, like their strengths and weaknesses were there for sure, and it, and it limited them. And you also saw what they could do. I thought Charlie Strammel was better than I thought he would be. Um, I was, I will say, if I was disappointed in anyone, it was Lenny Haminaho. Uh, that's a guy who I just haven't really liked 
that much all year, but he keeps scoring points in the Liga. So <clears throat> I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to go to bat for Brad Lambert, who had like six points last year in that league, and then you have a guy who's doubling that production already, or maybe not doubling, but pretty close to doubling it uh, already, I got to check that guy out, and I don't, I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know how it's happening. I don't know what universe I'm living in, but I didn't really think much of Lenny Aminaho in that tournament um, based on what I saw. I thought David Reinbacher was about what I expected going in, even though he was playing on a team where he was pretty much playing 55,000 minutes a night. Uh, Sandine Pelica, again, strengths and weaknesses were on display. I saw it all. Uh, Martin, I, I, I thought Martin Mishak was great. I, I'm, I'm surprised that more people aren't talking about him. I mean, I'm, he had zero points, so I'm not surprised more people are talking about him, but, uh, or I'm not surprised more people aren't talking about him, but I don't know. I don't mean to be like hashtag watch the games, but that quarterfinal against Canada, he played more and more and more and more and more. And he very, like, I don't know. I remember, I forget who he was playing against, but he was put out in the shootout and his his hands are really incredible for a six foot two, six foot three center, and he brings a lot of traits that I think a lot of NHL teams want up the middle of their team. Uh, and he was an injury replacement, and I thought he played extremely well. Didn't score any points, but you know if we're tracking almost points, I I think he was up there. Uh, I like Franisek Dej, the guy. I I don't know if that's how you pronounce his name, but I didn't know who he was going into the tournament. But I noticed him a couple of times as sort of a good auxiliary sort of power forward. So I've been meaning to check him out since. But I don't think anyone really like disappointed me relative to my expectations outside maybe Lenny Haminaho. But I didn't. I wasn't really a huge fan of his going into the tournament. So coming out of the tournament and I see him sort of be a passenger on a very mid finish team that really struggled to generate any kind of offense I'm going okay like then I now I feel like I can sort of feel a little bit more confident in putting him a little bit lower relative to his production so I don't know other than that yeah uh everybody was fine Ian Scherzer in Austria is a guy I've looked at a little bit over the years and so I'm not surprised he managed to get some production but I didn't really see much in that tournament that really sort of made me want to put him on the list uh Thoughts on Svozil and Juracek post-World Juniors? And any thoughts on Matejchuk? Ah, we have a Blue Jackets fan. Uh, I mean, Svozil had a fantastic tournament. Juracek had a fantastic tournament. Um, you know, Juracek's been playing against men all year. Like, that's fine. That That's a good thing. Uh, Svozil, I didn't realize he had been scoring so much in Regina, but I guess when you play with Connor, Mc, Connor McBedard, Connor McBedard, when you play with Connor Bedard, you probably will score points. Um, but yeah, I mean, I saw a lot more assertiveness out of Svozil at the World Juniors that I remember seeing, and that's probably the direction I would have wanted to take his game, having seen him in junior. Like, his defensive game was always very patient and responsible and simple and effective, like not flashy and sometimes not great. But you could see the signs there. But when he sort of leaned into the puck and skated offensively and, and played around with it a bit, that's when I saw some interesting stuff out of Svozil. And Juracek, I mean, I'm a little cooler on Juracek than a lot of people, but uh, you can't argue with results. Like, that guy is a rock on defense. He can really shoot it from the point. You know, he's got some skill. The guy, the guy, I always said this about Juracek, he's going to be as good as he is strong. Like, the way he plays... He needs he it, compared to last year. He needed to get a lot stronger, and it seems like he has. Um, and he just seems a lot more comfortable playing defensively first, and then sort of that offense comes out at more opportune times, and it's really been working for him. Denton Matejchuk, I was not really that big a fan of him last last year compared to his production. 
I think that it's like he's a guy where it's either going to really, really work out or it's not. And I don't think there's going to be an in-between for him. And I was on the more pessimistic side, but would I be would I be thrilled to see a player like Denton Matejchuk thrive in the NHL? 100%. Like, really solid skater, you know, really aggressive offensive player, you know, loves to have the puck in the offensive zone, loves to skate around with it. You don't see that every day in the NHL. And if you do, you better be good, right? So... You know, because you're you're a defender. Your job is to play defense. I will see we'll see how it works in Columbus. I think that they have enough defensemen where I think you could make it work. Um, I just you know I worry about Matejchuk's defending in terms of uh, when push comes to shove, like in close quarters. Like I felt like his skating and mobility in multiple directions needs a lot of work. Um, but I don't know. I don't want to be too picky. I, I think he's a solid defensive prospect. I wouldn't have drafted him where they drafted him, but. He's there, and we'll see what happens. Uh, not a good week for the small boys. Yeah, not great. Uh, where do you see Reinbacher, Tanev-type potential? Um, yeah, maybe that kind of a guy. You know, like, Reinbacher, he kind of reminds me of, like, a watered-down David Yurichek from last year, where, you know, he can really shoot it from the point. I don't think he has the skill level that Reinbacher had last year, like or, or that 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 Yurichek had last year, where it's like from the blue line, he just could step up and 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 fake a guy one way and t- and drag the puck the other way, and just a whole bunch of like deceptive things out of him that I just don't remember, uh, that I just don't really remember too too much of, uh, seeing with Reinbacher. I, I mean, I think Reinbacher really wants to play like you're a check defensively where he's more physical lays the body you know snuffing out uh defensive cycles in his own end but i just don't think he's strong enough there yet to to really pull it off and um you know just just quarterbacking rushes up the ice he's really pass heavy and sometimes just not the best passer in that area so maybe i would try to encourage him to carry the puck a little bit more uh i know i'm getting way beyond the question you asked i i i see him as like a late first guy maybe and you might get like uh i don't know where i have him on my board here um yeah like i have him at 35 i think that's reasonable and if you wanted to like would would i want him or martin mishak i don't know like you i would prefer mishak but if you really want reinbacher take reinbacher but i feel like reinbacher is going to be gone by that time you know uh caden price like caden price for example like He's almost a year younger than Reinbacher. Certainly not the same type of player, but and and I definitely think that he might be one of the bigger boomer bust picks in the draft, Caden Price. If I think I I think uh, like with Caden Price, for example, you have a very, very solid chance that he's gonna be disappointing. But the the plays in isolation that he makes and once in a while you see that are skill based and sort of like working off of his edges and and really sort of digging into the ice, making cuts and turns and and deception and everything, you really want to encourage him to sort of lean into that a lot more. And if he does and it works, then you could have a really interesting player. But he also has a lot of warts. With Reinbacher, I don't think he has the warts, but I also don't think he has that upside. Like, I, I don't know. It depends on what you're looking for. But, I mean, I like Reinbacher. It's just he's kind of... He's fine. Like he's gonna do fine. Um, but I have guys like Price and even even uh, 
even Molendyke ahead of him just because I love Molendyke's passing and his shooting and his skating. It's just so much more of what I'm usually interested in. But Reinbacher's been very, very good this year, and, and there are lots of tools to play with. Uh... Any thoughts on where the V's boys could go? Uh, do you have any info on what the ProSphere thinks of them? Yeah, so um, I know that there are some people out there that really like Idar Suniev, uh, like I do. Um, I mean, the last few games I've seen of Suniev, I've just bumped him down my list over and over, and he's more in my high second round. And the same thing for Bradley Nadeau. Um, the thing is, like, the other day I, I was talking, I think, to Sam McGilligan and a few other people, and 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 we were watching Idar Suniev and you know, the thought sort of crossed my mind of like, well, what do they, what do you, what, what have the BCHL guys of the past really done in the NHL, right? Like look at the guys that are drafted out of the BCHL. Who are the ones that have actually really worked out, right? Like Kyle Turris was a 120 point guy, went top three, didn't really work out. Alex Newhook, one of the best BCHL players I've ever seen. Still kind of struggling to, to really find a role in the NHL that really makes it work, but he's a good player. I think he's a good player. Tyson Yost and Dante Fabro, there are guys, right? And they were spectacular BCHL players. Like the bar for junior A hockey in in Canada, for me, you need to set it extremely, extremely high, especially if we're talking about a potential for, potential first round pick. When I look at Bradley Nadeau, I see a really, really fast kid who's got a lot of skill and can make plays off the rush really, really well. Um, but again, there's, I, there's something about his game that I just... You know, like his performance under pressure is a lot worse than when he has open ice to play with, which is not uncommon with players, but that at the BCHL level to me is problematic. And Suniev almost has the opposite problem where it's like, if he's under pressure, he can make some really, really impressive plays. He's a really good shooter, I think. Um, and and he, he makes really, really beautiful slip passes under pressure and all that stuff. But in open ice, he is slow. He is awkward on his feet. Um, can get closed out really quickly and then has to make those plays under pressure because he doesn't really have the pace of, of a lot of the guys in the BCHL. But because he's so big and skilled and pretty creative, then it works. Um, so I don't know. I, I think Nadeau could sneak his way into the first round. I think he's quick enough uh, and skilled enough where teams might be really interested in that. And I think Suniev, you know, I have them ranked back to back, but I mean, Suniev, I, I, I feel like will go later, but I know there are people in the NHL that like, Idar Suniev for sure. Uh, your reactions to the WHL and OHL trade deadline? Uh, man, I want to run a, I want to run an OHL team or something. I mean, even a WHL team, I don't care. Uh, I would love to get involved in this because this is a real fun time. I mean, I will be so fascinated to see uh, what the Everett Silver Tips can come out of with that gigantic Olin Zellweger trade. Um, you know, yeah, the Shane Wright trade was was gargantuan as well, but the fact that you can't trade first over first round picks, I think, uh, kind of is unfortunate. I get why you can't trade first round picks in the OHL, but it kind of automatically made the price for Shane Wright a lot lower than the price for uh for for Olin Zellweger, and so I mean, I don't think that's an indictment of Shane Wright whatsoever. Um, but I just think it's really funny and. It, I, I don't know. My takeaway is I'm looking at <laughs> the CHL and going, I want some of that. I want to get involved in this because this is, this is wild. Like if you have a really good NHL quality player and you like, I would be fascinated to see what they can turn things into Edmonton, uh, the oil Kings, if they get all what they got for Dylan Gunther, what they can do to, to add to that stable, um, 
all the st- all the things, right? Like I- I'll be so fascinated. Like what is Mrs. Saga gonna do with all the picks they got for Del Bell Blues and and Del Mastro and uh, they traded Zachary Lavoie. Um, it's gonna be awesome, and I, I that's that I loved it. It was crazy. Um, the, 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 I mean, I, I, if only the NHL were this daring, right? Like you have Olin Zellweger, who is not going to be in the WHL next year, almost certainly. Uh, and, and the Everett Silvertips got a first round draft pick this year, next year, the year after, and the year after that, 2026, I'll be closer to 40 when they're done reaping the benefits in the first round of that trade. That kid, I think is 11 years old right now. That kid is not even in middle school blows my mind it blows my mind uh elite prospects released a mock draft today i did not read it granted i did not read it maybe i'll pull it up that went bedard carlson fantilli benson reinbacher okay uh i wouldn't order it that way um personally i mean i think fantilli is ahead of carlson but if you really want carlson i understand why i just disagree um Benson at four I think is a bit steamy as well I mean I have Crystal at four and Benson at five I I don't know I think the draft really opens up after the first three when it comes to like who is likely to go to the NHL in the NHL draft um but I don't know Reinbacher at five would blow my mind I I I get it I I well I don't I don't get it I don't really get it with Reinbacher top five um, but I can see why NHL teams might want a guy like David Reinbacher top five. I wouldn't do it, but here we are. Um, I don't know. I Here, why don't we just open it? <laughs> I think it's on ringside. EP ringside. Doot, doot, doot. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Bedard's going one. Sure, for sure. Uh you know, Carlson going to whatever. I think the Columbus Blue Jackets at three very happily Adam Fantilli. Oh boy, my colors are all washed out again. That's bizarre. Am I, am I, the... okay, so that makes it go away, but that doesn't. Weird. Okay, well, I'm just going to open this on my page because that's ugly and I don't want to make you look at it. Zach Benson, I mean, I do not see the San Jose Sharks of 2023 drafting Zach Benson. I can't see David Quinn drafting Zach Benson or being cool with that. I just don't see it based on, you know, where San Jose kind of went in the draft last year. Maybe in the second round they draft a guy like Benson, but, you know, I don't know. I don't, I don't see it. I mean, Reinbacher over Mitchkov. I'm not a big Mitchkov guy relative to, like, top three, which he is to a lot of people. Like, he's moved up since I had my epiphany whatever you want to call it rant moment couple couple streams ago but now that he's with Sochi I've watched a couple of those games and bumped him up a little bit uh and and I mean I I mean I would still much rather have Matvey Michkov in Arizona than David Reinbacher like imagine Logan Cooley feeding Matvey Michkov and imagine uh I mean do I think the Arizona Coyotes are going to go up on the podium and draft uh, draft David Reinbacher if Matvey Michkov is on the on the board? A hundred percent. I absolutely think the Arizona Coyotes are going to do that. If if anyone is going to do it with an insanely high pick, it's going to be Arizona. Like they traded a lot of their really valuable draft capital to draft Connor Geeky. I would never have done that. They are on a different wavelength than me. I could see this happening. It would be crazy, but it would be uh, uh it would be fun. Um. 
I don't know why. I don't know. The more it's cider comparison, like maybe, maybe there's something there. Cause I've also not really always been the biggest most cider guy, but I also, I don't know. I, I find that more it's cider is kind of, again, it's like, it's, it's, it's weird how in the scouting world, when one player sort of bucks the trend, like, like Tage Thompson, now everybody's thinking that someone's going to be the next Tage Thompson. It's like, Tage Thompson's don't come around very often. That's th- that's why it's such an incredible story. Moritz Sider. Like I remember watching him in his draft year. He was good in the DEL from what I recall and at the or at the World Juniors that I watched him at. He was very very good at that level, but I didn't think he was like this. And now everybody wants the next Moritz Sider. Oh, this guy, this guy playing in this obscure league who's producing decently well and plays physical and and is a strong boy or or plays like a strong boy. They're the next Moritz Sider. It's like okay who was the person before Moritz Sider who came along after a really, really high draft pick and was this good like Moritz Sider? I just don't, I think you're, you're hunting for something that is very, very rare. And when I look at Matvey Michkov, I go, well, I've seen a lot of guys like Matvey Michkov in the NHL before and well, not like him specifically, but that can do stuff like what he does uh, and, and pull it off really, really well. Uh, Simashev at seven to Philadelphia. I think that actually makes sense. And I think that would be an interestingly good pick from Philadelphia. Will Smith to Vancouver at eight. Maybe not what I would do, but I mean, you've got a guy like Elias Pettersson there and there might be a bit of similarities in a way, kind of, sort of ish. Um, Edward Chalet to, yeah. Yeah. Chalet at nine and Chris, I mean, Ottawa certainly is, would, would think about Callum Ritchie before Andrew Crystal. I think I don't see a possibility of Andrew Crystal going to, uh, the St. Louis blues. I just don't see it. Um, I mean, the St. Louis blues love to draft physical players, wrecking ball guys, uh, and their skill guys are more of a once in a while. You see them draft guys like that. I just can't imagine them drafting a five, nine scoring winger, uh, that doesn't really have a whole lot of jam or pace in his game. Like Bull Duke has some jam. Jake Neighbors certainly has a lot of jam in his game. You know, I would think that maybe a guy like Samuel Honzik might be a bit more up that alley, I guess. Um, but in any case, uh, in any case, um, Edmonton taking Braden Yeager would be very Edmonton Oilers too. That would be kind of funny to me. I'm not a huge Braden Yeager guy at all. Uh, Sandy and Pelica to Detroit. Yeah. Like all this, like all of this makes sense to me, right? Like I look at it and I go, yes, I can see why Cam would think that this player could go to this team for sure. And I think he's right on the button there, but trying to predict the NHL draft is more just fun, right? Like it's, I don't, I don't look at mock drafts and go like, oh my God, like, can you believe this person sent this player to this team? It's like, I don't know. It seems really reasonable. Uh, and teams like, yeah, like teams have certain types of players that they value over others. It's just how it is. Like it, it seems that way, at least based on what I've seen over the, it changes over the years, but it seems like teams have a brand, right? They, they try, they, they have a philosophy and they try to follow it generally, especially early in the draft. And, you know, like seeing Cutter Goche to fill it, go to Philadelphia. Um, that kind of is on brand for the Philadelphia Flyers in a way. Anyway, it's uh, we're spending a lot of time on this, but in any case, I mean, it's it's I don't know. I don't think you can call any sort of mock draft bad, especially one where it's pretty well reasoned out. And I mean, yeah, like how many times do you come out of the NHL draft after the top 15 and go, yeah, that's about how I expected it to go. 
Like, no, that's you're lying. That's a lie. That's that's a lie, especially in the last couple of years. So, uh, yeah, to come away reading a, a mock draft going, wow, those are some weird takes is probably more accurate than looking at a mock draft and going, yeah, that's about that, that falls in line, you know, like <laughs> that's, that, that, that's how I read it, which, you know, sure. Great. Um, thoughts on Jason Shagabe. He's been well over a point per game, Minnesota high school player since his 15 year old season. And is a three points per game for war road, decent, small sample stats with green Bay. I don't like him. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Shakabe. I've watched him in the USHL predominantly. He plays class a high school in Minnesota, which is very bad. Um, com- especially compared to double a, uh, high school in Minnesota. Um, I don't know. I, I, with, with Shagabe, I look at him and I go, I've got 85 guys number ranked ahead of him. And it's probably going to stay that way. And I don't think he's quite the quality of player that I have on my watch list where it's like, I don't want to forget about them if they go undrafted. I just don't, I don't know. I don't see it with Shaga Bay at all. Uh, what did you think of Cooley's world junior? I thought he was very, very good, better than I thought he would be, but he was very, very good. Um, and I thought he'd be pretty good. So I, I thought he was one of the big principal puck transporters and creators in the offensive zone for the Americans. And that was like, I think he did a lot to enable the Americans, I, I said in my write-up, I, the Americans were a team built around the shooting talent of guys like Gauthier, Lucius, uh, Snuggerud. Um, you know, even on the back end, they had some guys that can shoot, like Ufko. Uh, and I think that they built a team sort of around, they, they built a team that can manage that style of play. You can't have a team full of those guys without guys like Gavin Brindley or Logan Cooley who are puck transporters and play with a lot of pace and get the puck up the ice and enable those guys to be the finishers on the line. And like, it's a good example of why I value guys like Brindley and, um, and Cooley so much, because in my opinion, like at five on five, getting the puck into the offensive zone is very, very, very difficult. And you can't even put a puck on net if you can't get the puck into the offensive zone. So when I see a guy like Logan Cooley paired with Jimmy Snuggerud, I'm going, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. Cooley gets the puck in the offensive zone. If Snuggerud needs to be a connecting pass in the neutral zone, he can do it for sure. He's capable. Uh, but his job is basically get the puck in the offensive zone and make something happen. And Logan Cooley can do that for him. So like in terms of line construction, it makes a lot of sense. And they surrounded him with the right people, I think, to make that happen. And he benefited, benefited from that too. He was scoring in bunches all tournament long. Um, Thoughts on the World Junior A Championship level of play? What league would you say compares to uh, level-wise? I mean, just by default, it's a it's it's above most. Like it's the basically BCHL, AJHL All Stars, and the OJHL All Stars, and um, versus like non NTDP US All Stars. So I don't know. I I thought it was good. Like, the fact that, I mean, I really like Cole Knubel, but the fact that he was one of the leading scorers, if not the leading scorer, kind of goes to show, like, yeah, like, this this reads to me like like he was playing against Canadian Junior A talent, which is not a very good level of play. Um, I thought the Swedish team played pretty well, to be honest, after what I saw there. And that's, again, like, their J20 League All-Stars. Like, I don't know. I mean, it, Junior, like, may, maybe everything all combined together, you get, like, a, a major junior level of talent, you know, maybe like a USHL kind of thing, but like Cole Knubel doesn't score like that in the USHL. So again, like it's just thinking about it 
in 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 that way like I don't know. It's a lot of junior A players, right? And a lot of and Cole Knubel should be a very good player in that tournament. Like he should have been drafted last year. He went back to this tournament and played really, really well. So I don't know. I I I don't take too much from the World Junior A, really. Um, I thought there were a few Swedes on that team that played really, really, really well in that tournament. But I don't I don't put too much weight into the World Junior A Championship, honestly. Um. Macklin Celebrini is on track to overperform Fantilli in their respective DY minus one seasons. Is he better? Um, I don't know. I've seen Celebrini a bit this year, like quite a bit. Um, he's extremely talented. Like for next year's draft, I might just pencil him in at number one right now. Um, him and maybe Ivan Demidov, like Ivan Demidov might be my number one going into next season based on what I've seen of guys this year for next year. But Celebrini is no further back than three. Um, I like Fantilli better because he's bigger. I think he's faster in a straight line. Um, Celebrini and and Fantilli, I think, are about the same in terms of skill level. Um, But that might also be Fantilli this year that I'm comparing him to, and that might not be super fair. Um, But I've seen, I mean, I don't know. Celebrini is a very, very talented player. I don't think he has sort of the pace and the speed that that Fantilli brings but Celebrini but but Fantilli and I, I think he's just Fantilli uses his size a lot better but Celebrini is a heck of a gifted sort of puck handler um that I think really really benefits him and, and sort of compensates for his 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 other stuff going on um but yeah I mean I don't know he, it's it's still really really early and uh I mean I'm a data guy who also says that points are not the top uh, thing to note, but he is having a great year, and and I think he's going to be a top pick for next year. Uh, will Mitchkov be more or less valuable than Caulfield? I th- I th- I like Cole Caulfield more based on what I remember of watching Caulfield in the 2019 draft and what I'm seeing of Mitchkov now. I would rather have Cole Caulfield, and I'm pretty pretty sure about that. Um, I think Mitchkov has echoes of Caulfield in his game for sure. I think there are echoes, but I don't. I just think Caulfield is a higher pace player. He's more, I think he's more skilled than Mitchkov at that higher pace. Um, I think his release is better. I, I know Mitchkov is a fantastically gifted shooter, um, but I think, I, I don't know, like I've watched Mitchkov in the KHL and, and all the goals that he's scored this year. And a lot of it, I mean, he does it in a lot of different ways. Whereas Caulfield is a guy that just grips it and rips it, which yeah, and I'm not sure, like, Mitchkov does do that sometimes, but I don't think that area of scoring is quite up to the same level. Like, he scored a goal, like, Mitchkov scored a goal the other day where a guy shot the puck and missed the net. The puck bounced off the boards, no defenseman touched it, and Mitchkov just caught the rebound off the boards and shot it in the net. Like, that doesn't really happen that often in the NHL, and, and, and yeah, I don't know. Anyway... Um, I, I, I personally, I think Caulfield is, is a step ahead of Mitchkov, uh, for sure. Radiohead question mark. Is that a real question? Radiohead was one of my favorite bands in high school. Um, they were my like moody teenage angst band at the time. Like I listened to Amnesiac a lot when I was a kid. Um, uh, oh my God. Uh, the album with the, the Benz that is that the album called, name of the album, the Benz. 
that one I listened to a whole lot and that made me sad all the time which in retrospect I don't know why but then In Rainbows came out and I love that album I think In Rainbows is one of the my favorite albums ever made um it just it just it just goes so hard like Radiohead's entire catalog I think is just uh really really good like if you want to listen to a band where every album is kind of different but not bad and and really creative that's a band that is really really right up at the top of the list for me uh so yeah radiohead big time uh thoughts on that danish dude in this draft i mean there's a few but i think you're talking about oscar fiskermolgard uh i really really like fiskermolgard he's worked his way up my board all year he's just outside my first round um in a tier where i could see him going in the late first um really smart player pretty good in a straight line in terms of speed um really deceptive with his hands and really patient and reads the ice pretty well just makes the right play a lot more than he doesn't um and i think there's a lot to work with with fisker molgard down the down in the next few years i'm not sure exactly uh what his upside is but um and i haven't seen him in a while so i've been i'll have to go back and watch him again because i've been meaning to and i really don't mind watching fisker molgard but of the guys in the shl who have played a lot of games that aren't named leo carlson i mean i think sandine pelica has had some really impressive moments where you sort of go okay i can see flashes of a really high-end puck possession defenseman here really re- like really high-end traits and defensemen that you don't see at a pro level but he's not moving the needle at the at the shl level as much whereas when i look at fisker molgard and how he runs transitions and how he manages the puck and plays in transition and and just how smart he is and just simple but effective it works a lot better like I, i've liked him more in the shl than i liked otto stenberg the game i tracked this week was of otto stenberg I see flashes of the player that I remember last year, but there are real problems in his game. And a lot of that comes down to the things that Fisker Molgard does really, really well. Like if you could take the skill set of an Otto Stenberg uh, and the brain and 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 creativity of an Oscar Fisker Molgard, I think you'd have a really fantastic high-octane Swedish prospect, but you don't have that. Um, and I think Fisker Molgard is a really good example of a, of a player that I think might surpass Stenberg by the time the end of the year comes around for me, um, because I've liked him more at the SHL level. But uh, I don't I don't know if I could put him ahead of a guy like Alex Siernik, for example, who I am a really really big fan of. But like him versus Dalibor Dvorsky, I have thought to myself, wow, that was really impressive with Oscar Fisker Molgard more than I have with Dalibor Dvorsky personally. I like Dvorsky for sure. I, I have him in my first round, just a lot later than a lot of people. Um, and I think Fisker Molgard playing at a more difficult level, uh, I think has shown some really, really interesting stuff that that I think might at the end of the year put him ahead of a guy like Dvorsky and even Stenberg for me based on how he's played in the SHL. Uh, can you show us your list? It's up on the screen now. Have you watched Mitchkov since his loan? Yes, I have. Uh, yeah, like okay. So now we can sort of get into Mitchkov. Yeah, so again... Last time we talked about Mitchkov, I had put him quite a lot lower on my list than a lot of people. And I said to myself, look, I'm going to put him right now based on his play and what I've seen of the other guys in this range. I'm going to put him where I think he belongs. And the rest of the year when he's with Sochi, it'll be like, I'll bump him up as the year goes on if I was wrong, right? Like if, if there's stuff that I missed, 
stuff at the KHL level that he, that comes out a lot more because it is true. Sometimes there are players where they go to the they go to a higher level that they've been to before, like Mitchkov in the KHL last year. They go down a level later on, and it's they're just not the same. They're not they're not feeling it like they did at the top level. I know this happens in places like Sweden where guys will go to the SHL for a few games. They'll they'll stretch their legs there. They'll get a taste of play. Uh, and then go back to junior and kind of take the foot off the gas pedal a little bit. Alex Siernik is like that. He's a guy last year where I loved him at the under-20 level, and then this year he's he was kind of eh to me at the under-20 level watching him there. You saw bursts of what you could see out of him, but then you see him at the SA, at the uh, Hockey L Svenskin level, and I'm going, that's, that's more like what I remember of Alex Siernik. That's more like it. And so... That, I think, is a thing that definitely happens. And so I thought, okay, he's going back to the KHL. They're going to give him lots of ice time. We'll see what happens. Um, I watched, I've watched i watched two of the games he's played with Sochi so far. Um, and he's been he's been good. Like, he's I th- he's he's quick on his edges. He's He's got great hands. Um, I still I still think that he's a work in progress. And I still think that, like, top five is a little much for me. Like, right now, he's at 12 on my list. I could easily, I think, by the end of the year, put him ahead of Will Smith. Gavin Brindley would be a tough one. For, I, I I know that on the surface that sounds ridiculous, but to me, that's tough. I I wonder about him one-on-one against a Dmitry Simashev. I feel like Simashev wins that battle based on what I've seen of Simashev. You know, and and... I don't know, like, the ra- again, the range for me from 5 or 6 until 15 is really, really close. And Mitchkov is at the higher end of that range, but there's other guys that I think bring other things to the game that I personally look for a lot more of. But Mitchkov has been better with, with Sochi, I think. The hands are coming out a little bit more, and he's being a little bit more creative in, in terms of getting rushes started. Um, you know, and adapting to pressure. He does that pretty well when he, when he got his head, you know, when he's playing well, he's playing off pressure really well. When guys are on him, he's able to use his, his skates to sort of make quick turns and make quick passing lane opening, open, make passing lanes open quickly uh, and, and execute on those options. It's just, there's, I don't know. I'll, I'll try, I'll track a game of him with Sochi. Cause that's something I need to do as well. Uh, Cause it's about that time where I check back in on Mitchkov. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I can't lie to you guys like I can't lie the, the 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 VHL games I saw of him I look at him and I'm going yeah he's got 10 goals in 12 games great but hockey isn't always just about scoring goals and I think that there were a lot of things with Mitchkov that were really questionable but with Sochi I think things have sort of taken a step uh in the right direction and I think he's I think he's you know He's settled himself down a little bit. I think in the VHL, he was trying to do a lot on his own and and also simultaneously, like they were getting him to cheat for offense a lot. Whereas in Sochi, I think he's tactically being used like more traditionally as a winger, which I think suits his projectability a lot better and, and really tests him, which I think is kind of necessary. Uh... I asked about a I asked about them a while ago, but thoughts on David Edstrom and Caden Hamill. So I haven't had the chance to look at Hamill, but I have seen David Edstrom. I'm writing Caden Hamill down so I don't forget. Um, but I have seen uh, David Edstrom. Uh, I mean, I have him on my watch list. He's a he's a smart kid, like he's a smart hockey player. He's usually in the right positions at the right time, feeding pucks to Noah Dower Nilsson, and he sort of takes the reins and finishes. Um, you know, he's a he's a you know like Brian, you're a Leaf guy. Pontus Holmberg, 
ish, right? Like you look at Pontus Holmberg and you're like, how is this guy an NHL player? Like he's not really quick. He's not super skilled. He's not, there's nothing that really steps, you know, you know, jumps off the screen when you watch Pontus Holmberg play, but then you see him make the plays that he makes when he does touch the puck. And you're like, that's the right thing to do. That's an option. Yep. You could have done that. Yep. That's certainly a thing. Yep. That's certainly a thing. Like he seems like a guy who knows his limitations and plays really effective within them. And I think Edstrom is up that alley um, maybe not to the same level. I think that's a little hasty to say, but I think Edstrom is a really interesting option that that could fill out a roster with just how smart he is. And Caden Hamill, I have not seen uh, anything of, so I will uh, check him out um, as well. Some outfits seem to be ranking Carlson over Fantilli. Do you think they have similar ceilings? Can Carlson become the better player? I have Fantilli higher by a tier, and... I I don't know. I would struggle to put Carlson ahead of Fantilli. I think I think they have similar brands of play, but I think and I think Fantilli could learn a lot from watching a guy like Leo Carlson. But I think Fantilli's talent level is higher. Like the skill level, the shot quality, um you know, the 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 pace of his game I think is a lot higher than Leo Carlson, but Carlson is much better I think under pressure. I think Fantilli has problems sort of anticipating pressure and making plays around it. Um, and I just, I, 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 think, I think there's a little bit of work to do for Fantilli when it comes to making passes through pressure and, and, and bouncing off of guys and, and going into physical encounters or, or working around them in a little bit better ways. Whereas that's a big strength of Leo Carlson's game where you got him pinned along the boards or, or you're pretty close to, to him in the, in the offensive zone on an offensive entry. He'll look one way and, and send a pass a completely different way. He'll, he'll do all these things where it's like, yeah, you might think you have me, but you don't got me. And Fantilli, I think is more of a, Oh, this guy's coming to get me. I better chip it past him and hope someone's there. And generally, like, I've seen Fantilli kind of waste a lot of possessions that way, but he still scores like he does in the NCAA because he's that good and he's that fast and he's that skilled and he's that good of a shooter, but he also can make a play. So, personally, I have Fantilli ahead of Carlson. I think putting on my hockey man hat, I could see how Carlson might go ahead of Fantilli, but in that case, I'm just happy to get Fantilli later on, personally. Um... Who's the best pure goal scorer outside consensus top 10, maybe in your top 10? Um, well, the, I mean, Andrew Crystal is outside the top 10 and he's got 26 goals in 36 games this year. So that's probably a pretty good option. Um, Ryan Leonard, probably Ryan Leonard is up there. That guy also scores a lot of goals, um, and I really, really like Ryan Leonard. So maybe him, uh, and he's not really ranked super high. <clears throat> uh, yeah, we'll go with those two. Those are probably the good, the good answers. Sure. Uh, what makes Axel Sandin, uh, Axel Sandin Pelica so special? Um, he has really high level possession traits for a defenseman that I don't see very often. He doesn't really miss on his passes. Like he, he makes, he does, he takes that. It's, it's like the next, he, he takes that, he goes the extra mile. 
when it comes to making his passes and keep maintaining possession in the in, in 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 when he has possession of the puck like he'll make that extra move to make a passing lane more open he'll make that extra cut with his feet to to stop up on a guy and give himself some space he'll 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 take that extra step to sort of make the play easier for him to make you know um really shifty off the blue line in the offensive zone really good shot from the point but to me what makes him special is his ability to sort of juke and fake and 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 look off of guys and create lanes and create space and all of these things using his feet and using his hands that he just drives really 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 good pass completion numbers against grown men and you don't see that very often especially for a defenseman so to me that's rare um and i think you saw the strengths of that at the world junior but i also think you saw some of the weaknesses in his game he can sort of try to do a little too much from time to time and and take on a little bit too much but personally i'd rather have him going out and trying these things and making mistakes finding his limits getting better and doing all of these things and i would rather do him do that than coach him to be more reserved because what he's doing usually works pretty well um so yeah, I'm a big fan of Sandine Pelica. Maybe I have him ranked a little high, but I, I do really, really like him. Um, how many of the forward prospects project as top six players at the NHL at the moment? I, I don't know. I mean, Bedard will be there, Fantilli, Carlson, Crystal, Benson. Um, I think Oliver Moore could get there. Will Smith could get there. Gavin Brindley, I hope, gets there. I think he might be more of a good middle six guy. Mitch Kov, I think, could be a top six guy. Leonard, I think, could be a top six goal scorer. Um, I'd love to see Timur Mukhanov in a in a top six, but I feel like he's more of a middle middle six. Riley Height um, could get there. I think Riley Height might get there. Uh, Alex Siernik, probably not. Will Whitelaw, I think, is a boomer bust guy. He's either going to be a top six forward in the NHL or he's going to be a really good AHL player. Uh, I don't think there's any in-between for Will Whitelaw. I've seen some spectacular stuff out of him but I've also seen some really mind-numbing decision-making out of him that just really limits his game at the USHL level. So give him a few years in college, and I feel like maybe you'll get a top-six player, but he's also going to Wisconsin, and I'm not sure what's going to happen there, but we'll see what happens. I don't know. Um, But yeah, he could be be a thing as well. So I don't know. Whatever number that is, uh, let's... I mean, Chalet, I think, could get there, but maybe not. I'd I'd say relatively confidently. uh, Height... Height, Height, Leonard, Mitchkov, Smith, Moore, Benson, Crystal, Carlson, Fantilli, Bedard. That's 10. Seems somewhat reasonable. There might be some that sneak in there down the board, like maybe Quinton Musty, uh, maybe Matthew Wood. Um, you know, maybe a Charlie Strammel could get in there. If you shelter him right, maybe Braden Yeager, but I'm not nearly as... I'm not nearly as high on those guys as others. Daniel Boot as well. Like, there's a lot of guys where you could put them in the top six, provided they have certain types of players to sort of help them out. Uh, and I would put guys like Boot and Jaeger in there, for sure. Um, have you seen any Alexis Davio? Yeah, I've seen Alexis Davio a little bit here and there. I haven't tracked him. I've been meaning to. I have the game downloaded, or two games downloaded, and I just haven't yet. I like Alexis Davio's skill and forward skating, but I've, I don't know. I've seen some not-so-good stuff out of him. I don't know if I would draft him, um, but I also won't tell you that certainly until I do some data on him. So I'll make a note to do that because I've been meaning to for literally a month. Um, so I'll check him out. 
Uh, and Tristan Bertucci, Bertucci, I have not seen much of at all, so I will put the name down and watch so that I do not forget. I feel like I've seen Tristan Bertucci play, but I don't remember. I don't remember. Uh, okay. Uh, thoughts on Tommaso DeLuca. Will he be drafted? Uh, again, another guy that I haven't seen much of um, since the beginning of the year. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's not on my list to be drafted. Um, I, I remember watching him last year and thinking he was a decent shoot. He was a good shooter, a decent offensive rush guy. Um, at least in a straight line, but I haven't, I, I don't know. I haven't seen enough of, of DeLuca this year that really gives me a ton of confidence, but I also haven't seen enough to be certain about that. So that's also a good reminder to check him out. So I appreciate it. Um, have I watched Lucas Moore? Yeah, I've seen Lucas Moore with Hamilton a little bit here and there, and I'm not, uh, I'm not totally sold on, on, on Lucas Moore really personally, like, uh, as, as a, as a guy that I'm super interested in. I know he's scoring a lot of points. Um, but I don't, I personally don't see it. Like he's decently skilled, moderately mobile, but I don't think it's enough to, to be a guy where I'm like, okay, he's 5'10 and it'll work. Um, not saying it's impossible, not saying it's impossible, but just again, when I, like, when I look at my list, who am I going to put him above? Like Arvid Bergstrom? Probably not. Right. Uh, at least not in my experience. Like maybe he could be a watch list guy based on who's on that list, but I don't know. I like to put all players that are a lot more fun to watch on that list as opposed to guys like Moore where I'm like, eh, maybe it works out, but uh, I don't know. Um, what are the main flaws in Bedard's game? Well, I mean, I feel like I have to choose my words extremely carefully here, but I don't know. I don't think you're drafting Connor Bedard to play defensive hockey. I just don't – like. he's a good breakout guy for sure once the puck does get free and gets on his stick. That's no problem. That side of defensive hockey, he'll get the puck out of your own zone for sure. But, you know, I, I don't know. You saw him get burned a few times in the World Juniors or very nearly have things really go poorly for him when he's taking on a lot of responsibility, allowing guys to get close to him, and he's trying to deke them out and, and and uh you know, he's trying to deke them out and get around them, and it's just not – and it just doesn't work. You know, um, I forget what it was. He was overhandling the puck near the blue line because that's kind of where he does like to work. Uh, and it, it he, you know, he skated back on the back check, blew a tire, went in face first, missed on the check, and and Slovakia. I think it was Slovakia, and they scored. I could be wrong. Um, but that 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 was a good example of a guy where it's like, you're unbelievably talented. But I'm curious of what works and doesn't in the NHL and, and what he can sort of get done. I'm not super concerned, but you don't want your top, top generational pick skating around the offensive blue line and baiting guys to take him on at the NHL level and then have a rush coming the other way. Uh, and, and that's often a, a, a bit of a, a, bit of a, a problem. So I don't know, sometimes, sometimes there are times he can take on a lot on his own and when it works, it's impressive. And when it doesn't, it can backfire big time. And when I watch him play defensively, he's hanging out in support position, you know, in open ice, you know, being a guy where you're not drafting him to be a grindy, bangy, smashy guy along the boards which is fine. Like, it's fine. We're talking about the guy that is certainly going first overall, but I'm just saying these are the things in his game that you kind of don't see. He's much more of an open ice guy who who really sort of needs space to play with. 
Um, and, but, but in the offensive zone, he's a lethal, lethal, lethal threat. Um, who's the Gleb trick is off of this year of this year in terms of underrated with high end skill, Timur Mukhanov, same team, just, yeah, same team. No, no. Mukhanov has played all year in the VHL. Trikhozov didn't. Mukhanov rocks. Uh, he's 5'9", I think, but unbelievably skilled, um, unbelievable shooter, works his tail off at both ends of the ice. Like, um, if, if he's there in the third round, like, for the team scouting picks this year, there's a first right, right now, before the NHL trade deadline, there's a first-round pick and two third-round picks. If he's there in the third round... If I end up with like Dmitry Simashev at the end of the first round, and which maybe won't happen, but fingers crossed, and Mukhanov in the third round, and add him to the band of merry Russians I've got in there with Pashin and Gushin and Trikhozov, I'm more than happy. Because um, I love Timur Mukhanov, and I think he's a fantastic, he's got potential to be a fantastic player. There was a game we wa- I watched a couple nights ago with a few people, and he, like, it's a concept of like almost points where it's like really, really nice plays, but maybe the guy he passed it to missed the net or the goalie made a great save or, uh, the goalie just, I don't know. wasn't the best place shot. And Mukhanov probably had like four almost points in that game. So he's a guy where I feel like down the stretch of the year, his production in the VHL might regress positively based on what I've seen. Um, in a lot of metrics at the VHL level, he was better than Matvey Michkov. Um, but that guy just plays the style of play that I love, and I am a huge, huge Timur Mukhanov fan. Um, thoughts on James Hagens? Remarkably skilled guy, uh, obviously scoring in bunches. Um, I've seen a bit of him over over the year. Uh, super, super talented player. Really, Again, leads with his hands, really, really skilled. Maybe not the highest pace guy, but... He just, he's really deceptive with his skill. He, he, he fakes guys out. Um, he's kind of up the same alley as like a Macklin Celebrini in a way, just younger, um, where you sort of go, okay, like the boots will probably improve over the next couple of years. Um, and he'll be a, a dynamic offensive guy. And, and I'm, I'm excited to see like Hagen's, I'm not going to make a 2025 draft ranking, but he would be very high on that list if I did. If you had the first overall pick, what would the other pick need for you to be? A, what would the other pick need to be for you to trade first overall for second overall and another pick? I'm not trading it. Uh, the only way I'm trading first, the only way I'm trading Connor Bedard is if I'm getting second overall and a damn good National Hockey League player. Like you are, and they're young. You are not. You are not taking Connor Bedard from me unless I pull your teeth out, and that includes Adam Fantilli. Like that's how it's going to work. You're going to overpay. Because Connor Bedard could be the only player in the league that holds a candle to the kind of production that Connor McDavid puts up just by virtue of being in the offensive zone. Like, if Connor Bedard ends up an Anaheim duck and plays on the same line as guys like Mason McTavish or Trevor Zegras, game over. Like, it's game over. It's it's Even if he's not playing center, I don't care. It doesn't matter. He's just going to dominate. And if you want to give him his own line and play ahead of a Trevor Zegras, then great too. You've got a great top six, like a gifted top six. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I probably would not make any trade unless like if it's, I don't know, like let's run a tankathon. Let's, let's see. Let's just see who pops up. Okay. So I'm the Detroit Red Wings. I moved up 10 spots and now I'm drafting Connor Bedard. 
uh, the Anaheim Ducks are second overall. Give me second overall in Trevor Zegras or Mason McTavish. Maybe another pick. Like, you're going to overpay. And I know I'm going to get for sure a very good tangible NHL asset and the second overall pick. Anaheim would never make that trade. And I think Anaheim with Adam Fantilli would be darn good. But I'm not making that trade. Connor Bedard is bananas. Um, bananas. Thoughts on Button saying the two best defenders are Axel Sanding Pelica and Tom Villander. If not, who do you think is up there? I, I really like Tom Willander, but putting him at 15 is a take. Um, I could easily see Willander. He's in my mid-second round, but I could easily see him much, much higher by the end of the year. Really, really love uh, what Tom Willander brings to the game. Skilled, mobile. Um, I, w- I would really love to coach him to be more aggressive offensively. He's really, um, he's very safe and dependable in a good way, like not a boring way. Really good stick checker defensively. Um, he's got good size in terms of the length and 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 reach that he's got, and he uses it well. Um, and he's and he's got enough skill to make it work. Again, similar to Sandy and Pelica, he's a very safe and dependable passer. Not necessarily as creative and smart. Uh, with how he puts his passes together as Sandy Pelica and isn't playing at the SHL level yet. Um, I have Sandy Pelica as my number one defenseman in the draft, but I look at Gulyayev. He didn't even have Simashev on his list, if I'm not mistaken, which <laughs> I can kind of understand because you haven't seen Simashev play this year, like at all, if you're Craig Button, probably. Um, oh, the cat's coming down. But I think, I think, yeah, I don't know. I, 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 I get the feeling that I I don't know. I think I'd put Gul I mean Gulyayev terrifies me. Gulyayev is uh horrifying in some ways, but in other ways he's unbelievable. Um and kind of reminds me a little bit of like a Morgan Riley type player who can at sometimes be horrifying, but at sometimes you go, holy crap, look at this guy go. And Simashev, I just I don't know. With Simashev I see just a remarkable like you want to talk about a player that could be similar to like a Moritz Sider I'm putting Simashev up there much quicker than Reinbacher, uh, just based on how he moves around the ice, the strength he's already got, the stick checking ability he's already got. I've seen him do spinoramas off the offensive blue line to try to make a play in the offensive zone, and he's six five, like maybe six six. Like you don't see that ever with a kid that young. And yeah, he's not scoring points, but I don't care. I I kind of set points aside these days, and I just don't really care. He does a lot of things extraordinarily well. Uh, and I think that in a few years you're going to have a monster there. Uh, so personally, I'd have those guys at least ahead of Willander Cagnoni and Caden Price and Tanner Molendyke and David Reinbacher and Jakob, Jakob Dvorak. I think I could see having Willander ahead, but in a way, I feel like at the end of the day, those two guys might end up somewhat similar, but I do really, really like Tom Willander. And I thought at the World Junior A Championship, he was fantastic. Uh, thoughts on Peter Hauser. I like Peter Hauser. I didn't know who he was until uh, the Devils drafted him, um, but a big, skilled, straight-line skating guy, like a nice power skill guy. Um, I really like him. I like Peter Hauser quite a bit. Uh, I was I was pleasantly surprised to see him play pretty well with the World Juniors. Uh, what NHL comp would you give Matvey Michkov? Uh, like Tyler Toffoli? <laughs> Uh, maybe I'm trying to think, maybe not Tyler Toffoli. Let me, let me, let me look, let me look at NHL goal scorers. Um, 
because Matvey Michkov isn't the quickest guy in a straight line like Toffoli, but Toffoli's got good skill, a wicked shot, um, gets his chances in a variety of different ways. Um, let's just sort by goals. And Michkov is pretty small, so we'll filter for height. We'll say less than 5'11". Yeah, like... Hmm. I don't know. It's a good question. Because I don't know the answer. Yeah, like I wouldn't say Jeff Skinner because Jeff Skinner, I think, has more like skating ability, I think, like straight line and, and adapting to pressure and everything. But Mitchkov is pretty close, I'd say. It's not that crazy. Um, Something, I don't know, something up that alley, I guess, would be my estimation. Longtime podcast listener in my New York City commutes. Oh, right on. Thank you very much. Yes, I am trying to grow facial hair. I've never done it before in my life. Uh, and this is literally the only area of my face that like grows reliably unless I want like this and like this, which I don't like, I don't want that on my face. I don't think that would look nearly as, as solid, but the reviews so far have been positive. So right now it's here to stay. Um, I'm sure in my morning delirium one day, I'll be shaving my face and accidentally shave it off, but that hasn't happened yet. Is it off base that Shale reminds me a lot of Natchez? I don't really see a comp there. I think Natchez is, is a more skilled and sort of attack-minded forward than than Chalet. Chalet is more of a lower pace, sort of anticipating re and reacting type player. Um, just being in the right place at the right time, and you don't notice him a lot, and then he has two points on the score sheet at the end of the night. He's like, he's one of those guys. He, that's what he kind of reminds me of. But yeah, I see what you mean. I just, I think that Natchez is a bit more of a high-skill, high-octane sort of north-south guy up the middle and Chalet is more of a winger that that plays off of faster players really really well and 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 sort of chips in here and there in really positive ways um you should give more goalie takes oh god I remember you were a fan of Sergei Murashov last year and he's been lights out for the season yeah it's funny it's funny um since I work with McKean's, uh, I have access to Instat. And last year, I started pulling Instat data for goalies. So I'll show you what that looks like. And this is for this is on the Patreon sheets. Uh, if you're a patron of the channel, uh, above five dollars, I think you get this. Uh, and if you want the full version, it's it's twenty five. So you basically what I do is I pull goals against average and and the the expected goals against average from there. But I also uh, use their shot maps and run the math on my own uh, to calculate shot attempt uh, sa or shot save percentage, um, or on uh, yeah, uh, shots on goal save percentage. So I don't include uh, block shots or anything like that. Just save percentages for high danger areas and high and medium danger areas shot attempts, and also the percentage of shot attempts coming from those areas. So. The funny thing to me is Thomas Suchonic was a standout in pretty much every category there. Tons and tons and tons of workload for the second straight year with Tri-City, which checks out. Uh, checks out, get it? Because he's check, you see. Uh, and a huge, so huge workloads, pretty decent save percentage for huge workloads. Um, and the same thing can be said for Sergei Murashov. He, played, he faced a pretty heavy workload last year playing for Loco 76, who are bad. Uh, and and saved a lot of pucks, and he's playing with the better team, and he is extraordinarily good. 
Um, so honestly, like goalie stuff to me, if you save a lot of pucks multiple years in a row and like save a lot of pucks and you look at where those shots are coming from and if you face a high workload, those two things in conjunction are what you're looking for. Um, a guy like Thomas Sushanik is kind of like Jacob Fowler this year, like looking at his data. I need to update this. This is kind of old. But Jacob Fowler is facing like 30 shots a night and is a 900 goals against or a 900 save percentage guy. But if you look closely, 53 or 50% of the shot attempts against him are higher medium danger. That's a lot. That is, that's a lot um, for a, for a, a whole game. And he's got an 881 save percentage from that range, which is, I believe it looks like the second highest, third highest. But if you sort this by dangerous save percentage right now, the guy, so you've got Trey Augustine, who has a much lighter workload, 39.7% versus 49% for Fowler in terms of dangerous, the percentage of shot attempts against them that are dangerous or shots on goal that are dangerous. Augustine gets a lighter workload and has a 900 save percentage from medium danger and high danger combined, which is great. And, and in high danger, he's a 900, which is also great. But he also has a lighter workload from that area than Jacob Fowler. The guys ahead, the guy ahead of both of those guys is Yevgeny Volokhin, who is a backup goaltender, I think, with Mamonti Yugri in Russia, which is uh, also in the Eastern Conference of the Russian Junior League. And so, but he also, fa he faces a relatively comparable workload to Trey Augustine in an easier league uh, and has a 903 save percentage from dangerous spots. So um, Fowler and Hrabel have difficult workloads and save a lot of pucks from that range, which to me checks... Uh, checks a lot of boxes uh for what i'm looking for and guys like hrabble have a really long history of saving a lot of pucks which is why i feel relatively confident ranking that guy relatively high um so yeah i mean that's as far as i go with goalies draft the goalies that save a lot of pucks and draft the goalies that save a lot of pucks over multiple years combined and draft now nowadays i can also say draft goalies that uh that face pretty heavy workloads and save pucks in those workloads. And that's all five on five, by the way, I should note that as well. That's five on five save percentages. Um, because obviously adding power play and penalty kill would skew things significantly. Uh, does Axel Sandy and Pelica project as a first pair defenseman? I think it's possible. I think it's possible. First pair offensive defenseman. Yeah, I think it's possible. Maybe top four, I think is more reasonable, but, but top pair. Does Xavier Simino give you any Yanni Gourd vibes? I don't know Yanni Gourd's style of play enough to give you a good answer on that. So I'm going to take a pass on that, I guess. Especially because Simeno is, like, a little bit further along. And, I mean, he's played extremely well with Laval, for sure. Granted, I've seen a little bit of Laval this year. He's played very well. Um, I hope he plays in the NHL. I've always loved Xavier Simeno, And I think I had him ranked uh, a couple of times. Um... But, I mean, it just goes to show that, for me, I should trust my gut a little bit more with really high-intensity dudes, even if they're small. Um, because him and Raphael Harvey-Pinard are, are smaller guys that play with a high motor that I've liked over the years and just have sort of gone, eh, I'm not sure, I don't know. The, the NHL is really hard. But those guys skated hard enough, worked hard enough at both ends where it's like, you know what, you can kind of see. Um... Any thoughts on Gabriel Strzok? He's 19 and undrafted, but lighting it up on Kelowna this year and one of the, was one of the best players at the World Juniors, in my opinion. Uh, I think he should get drafted as an overager along a T with Tiacek. Uh I thought he was good at the World Junior. I wouldn't be surprised if someone gave him a mid to late round pick. 
Um, I don't know. I mean, 19 year old kids doing really well in, in, in junior, like he's been good. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like he's one of these guys where if you want, if you really wanted him in like the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round, I'm not going to get in your way. I don't think there's going to be that many really, really exciting guys left at that point anyway. And I feel like he could be fine. Um, I don't know. I, I, I always sort of err on the side of caution with older, bigger junior age players that have previously been undrafted. I thought Tiachek played pretty well with the world juniors for sure. Um, but I don't know. I pulled him off my list cause I just, I don't know. I still love him. I hope for the best. And I hope that a team draft, uh, maybe not, if not draft him, but sign him one day. Um, because when I've seen him in the Czech league this year, he's been much worse than he was last year, but I don't know. In my heart of hearts, I really still hope he gets drafted. Um, in my world, I would have already drafted him. Uh, so we'll see what happens with him. Uh, what do you think of Cam Robinson saying Anaheim has Fantilli at three right now? I don't know. It's fine. Uh, what are your thoughts on Joshua Wawa after uh, after the World Juniors? Joshua was Joshua at the World Juniors. That's what he was. He was a good complimentary guy for the two best players in the tournament. I don't think that's controversial. He made some nice plays. He had that one fantastic shift on the penalty kill. Um, he was more resilient under pressure than I expected him to be for sure. Um, he was, he has pretty nice hands in tight. He had some nice moments. I think there was a goal he scored where he faked the goalie one way with his hands and put the puck in the net the other, the, on the other side. I, I think there's, I think he's been interesting, but I also feel like if he was on a second or third line on that team, he Definitely wouldn't have done what he did because Connor Bedard and Logan Stankoven were extraordinary. Uh, and I think Joshua was a good compliment to those guys for sure. Like, it's funny. People were saying, oh, like Connor Bedard really likes playing with Joshua or Wawa or whatever. It's like, if I was Connor Bedard, I'd really like playing with Joshua Wawa too. Uh, I, I, I probably would too. Cause it's like, I'll have the puck a lot. You just give me the puck and let me play with it. And you go to the net and clean up the trash and he can do that that's fine my whole thing with joshua Waugh is in the context of an nhl draft are you drafting a player that plays that way at the junior level and has the issues that he has elsewhere in the game to me to me no the answer is no but i am not surprised that he has found a way to score at the junior level uh by being in the right place and just going doing the things that your peewee coach always told you to do stick on the ice go to the net stick on the ice go to the net if someone's on you, try to kill time and find a teammate. That's what he does really well. So could you plug him into the NHL and maybe get something out of him? I don't know, maybe. But to me, like, I look for a player like that through free agency or, you know, uh, re-entry draft picks or what have you. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. He was he was He had some good moments, like some moments where I'm like, I don't remember seeing that in the QMJHL. Uh, but yeah, I'm still, he's still Joshua Wadami, still the same guy thoughts on Ethan Gauthier. I don't have him ranked. The only Q guy I have ranked is Etienne Morin. Um, I don't know. I'm just not a huge Ethan Gauthier fan. I, I, I don't see it. I know people have him in like their top 20 and I don't see it. I I've done a few games of Ethan Gauthier to this point. I've watched some video of him without doing data. You know, he's a moderately skilled guy. He's got quick edges and can spin off pressure pretty well. He's a bit physical, I guess, at times, but I just don't, I just don't see it. I don't, I don't see it. 
Thoughts on Adam Gayan and Thomas Milich uh, at the World Juniors that they made a case to be picked. Gayan, I mean, you got to be really, really careful. I don't know. I, like, I don't know how young you are. And this goes for anyone in the room. Like, there are often goalies who come to the World Juniors and do unbelievably well. Uh, Dennis Godla, uh, Christers Gudlevskis, I think. Or was that the Olympics? Either way. Um, who else? Uh, Benjamin Kahn's was one. I remember Benjamin Kahn's hype, man. I, oh my God, the Benjamin Kahn's hype from 13. Oh my God. That was so long ago. Holy smokes. Oh boy. Now I'm having like an existential crisis over here. Um, but like people talk about these guys a lot, like in internet circles and stuff, whenever it happens, like, oh, this guy who was really good at the world juniors, like, is someone going to draft him? Is someone going to draft him? It's like, maybe, maybe. But the the World Juniors is not a guarantee of anything. Gayan is an interesting one because he did not only play extremely well, but he plays on Chippewa in the NHL, saves a ton of pucks, and faces a ton of pucks. Um, I don't think I have him on. Oh, yes, I do have him on here. Uh, and his workload has been not necessarily as bad as some of the other higher-end guys, but it's above 40% dangerous shot, att- shot attempts against, and his save percentages are good. Um... I could see Gayan getting a pick because at least he's got the size and, and he really kind of did seem like a step ahead. Thomas Millich. I'm not as sold uh, on Thomas Millich, but, but I really, really liked what I saw of Gayan and, 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 and I feel like there maybe is a chance he gets picked with a mid to late round pick. Sure. Um, I've been seeing a lot of quote this year's Owen Beck in public and private discourse and I'll bite. I'd go with Tanner Adams. Who's, who's the guy you would tag with Owen Beck? Well, Austin Brass, I think Tanner Adams sucks. So you can take that to the bank. Um, uh, I mean, it depends on what you mean by this year's Owen Beck. Like, I don't know. I don't know what you mean by this year's Owen Beck, to be honest, now that I'm thinking about it. Because, like, I remember last year watching Owen Beck and going, like, he does a lot of things really well. Like, I can, I said multiple times last year, like, I can see how this guy is going to score a ton at the junior level and maybe not have the raw sort of pace that, he needs to play his style at the NHL level more than like a th- a good third line guy. Now, granted, you get that in the in the in the, with the first pick of the second round. Fine, great, you've done really well if you get a good third line center there. And I thought he played pretty well at the World Juniors when I saw him. But I don't know. I feel like the Owen Beck hype is just like a little bit crazy. Um, so I don't know what I don't know exactly what you mean. Like maybe a guy who's not scoring a ton but could pop next year. Uh, Gavin Brindley. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, how close is Will Smith to Logan Cooley? Are they in the, are they in the same tier? Um, I think Logan Cooley is a higher pace player, but I think they're comparable in terms of creativity and skill level. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember. I think Will Smith might be a bit of a better shooter, but I think Cooley brings a little bit more defensively. Uh, than, than Will Smith does right now. Um, but I, I think they're somewhat comparable, somewhat. What's Brindley's upside? I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know about top-line guy, but I'd say a really good middle six winger, like a really good puck transition winger that can support finishers and support sort of more physical guys um, creating space. Like, I don't know. I, I think he could be something really, really interesting in your middle six. I, I would, I would say like a good pacey middle six transition winger. Um, thoughts on Riley height. One of these guys with the puck on his stick, he's really gifted, really good shooter, really, really skilled. 
um, creative playmaker. He's a dual threat guy offensively, but without the puck, I think he leaves a lot to be desired. He's kind of really passive defensively. He sort of lets other guys sort of do the dirty work and he sort of gets the puck and then does stuff with it and then sort of, you know, takes the foot off the gas pedal a little bit. Like he's very, he's not very involved in defensive transitions at all. Um, but he does drive really good offensive metrics. So if you want just a plug-and-play offensive dual threat off uh, scoring forward, then Riley Height is a really good option. Uh, here's a fun but difficult one. Could you try to rank Yurichek, Luke Hughes, Nemec, Brand Clark, and Zellweger potential-wise? Uh, okay. Cross-sectional right now, I would go... Uh, I'm going to be optimistic. Uh, I'll go Hughes, Yurichek... Zellweger, Nemich, Clark. And I'd say Zellweger and Nemich are interchangeable. Sure. After seeing Yurichek and Nemich in the AHL and the World Juniors, who do you prefer? Well, I don't know. To me, that's to me, that's like asking would I rather walk in a park or walk along a lakeshore? It's like they're both like they're different, right? Like they're not the you I don't think you can directly compare the two. Like, who would I rather have quarterbacking a power play? Maybe Simone Nemich. Who would I rather have with two minutes left in a game uh, and I'm down 3-2? Or I'm up 3-2, for example? Maybe maybe David Juracek, right? Like, it's just they're they're good for different uses, right? Personally, I mean, again, I, you're a devil's for, you're, your avatar is the devil's. I personally think that Nemich was not the guy at two that I would have gone for, but I get it. I see the appeal. Personally... I had, I think I had Juracek higher, or if anything, they were next door to each other. I, in my gut, I probably lean a little more in the Nemich direction because he plays more the style that I like, but I can see how Juracek could be a more valuable all-around defenseman in the NHL, if that makes sense. Uh, do you have a top five of overagers on your draft board? Yes, I do. Um, you've really, yeah. And I've really liked Zachariah wisdom as well. I, I liked him last year, but, uh, I I've seen him a bit this year right now. My top five re-entry guys I'd say are Knubel, Duke, uh, Dylan Hercoian, Kenta Isagai again. Um, and now that I'm thinking about it, I maybe should have Zachariah wisdom on my list because of what I, what I've seen of him this year, but I haven't seen enough. So I'll, I'll check him out. I'll write him down as well, uh, to check him out. I think I just butchered his name. Okay. He has two C's in his name, not two H's. Okay. So I'll check out Zachariah Wisdom because I remember liking him last year. Um, and we'll see how he's... We'll, we'll take a closer look. Um, but yeah, I, I'd say Cole Knubel, definitely. Tyler Duke, definitely. Dylan Hercoian, I'd also say would, would say definitely. Um, Kenta Isagai, I've still really loved what I've seen out of him this year, even though he's not scoring a ton of points. Uh... I, I still just really, really love how he plays and, and think that in the long term, you're going to get a heck of a player. On my watch list, the next one is Austin Roast with the Everett Silvertips, who I really like, but I'd say the year he's interchangeable with Nikolai Khvorov uh, in Omsk. Uh, Eric Polkamp with Cedar Rapids, I've really liked him and he's taken a big step. You know, last year he was a guy where I'm like, okay, he can really skate and he's got a lot of skill, but he's not doing anything with it. And this year he seems to be sort of taking on more risk, putting more pucks on net and really sort of getting more involved. And I think he's produced a lot more because of that. Um, I've liked Thomas Simonson, who's a French kid, plays on the French national team already. And, and he's been very, very good when I've seen him there. Um, watching the French league is very difficult, but he's been 
solid uh, in the international games I've seen him play. Uh, so I'll be curious to see if he's at the World Championships. If he's at the World Championships and he's not really that good, then I'll pull him off the list and someone like a Wisdom could probably replace him. But I don't know. He's had some fun moments that I've really liked. Um, thoughts on the U18 women's? Uh, because we're so late in the stream, I've kind of gone over that already. Um, it's been a lot of fun to watch that tournament and uh, Nella Lupushinova is the real deal. How good is Nate Danielson? Quite good. Could be a lot better. I'll say that. Really good north-south guy. Really good rush offense playmaker. Um, he's very good. Uh, advice for an accounting student who wants to do hockey analytics and scouting. Um, try to learn some sort of data science coding software. So R is a good start. I didn't really like R because with R, it was like, well... You can do a lot more with Python, and the code for Python seemed a lot more intuitive to me. Um, so I went, I've been poking away at learning Python over the years a little bit more and more every year. Um, if you want to get into sort of scouting, uh, I tell people the same thing. Um, I should probably just make a scout, a substack about it, which I probably should just do. But honestly, I started by with a hockey TV subscription and access to YouTube where the Russian junior level posts all their games. And I, I started by just going, all right, I'm going to forget everything I know about hockey and really think about it on a, on a game theory level. Cause I think a lot of people grow up fans of a specific team. And I find at least maybe this is just me, but watching a team when you're a kid growing up and you're a fan of them, it's easy to sort of not pay attention to the other team like, you might sit there and go, oh, my team played so bad last night, or oh, my team played so good last night, and we just couldn't pull it off. But in reality, it could very well be that the other team just had a few bounces go their way, or the other team played really, really well and made it really hard for your team to play well. So it can kind of cloud your judgment of the performance of a team or individual players. So to me, I sort of sit back and go, okay, forget it. I'm going to forget everything I know about hockey and really focus on just the flow of the game and what's happening and what isn't happening. Um... And it's easy to do that in the MHL, for example, because then you get to see a couple of teams that are really, really, really good and a couple of teams that are really, really, really bad. And fundamentally understanding what makes a really good team really good and what makes a really, really bad team really bad. Like, it sounds silly and it sounds dumb, but to me it was a really helpful exercise of, like, what what does it look like to have a team that performs very, very well, Right just from a basic standpoint and what, you know, and, and what are the things that people talk about that might be a little bit overrated, right? Um, beyond that, I would look at really good teams playing against other really good teams and what separated those ones and like what, what made those, you know, how did those teams sort of counter each other? For example, um, I would go look at really high end NHL players and what they looked like in their draft years and what they were doing. Uh, once I got more access to video services, I looked at a lot of guys who fell in the draft and were, uh, worked out to be really, really good players and, and watched what I could find of them, uh, watched what I could find of them later on or from when they were draft eligible and sort of noting the sort of commonalities between all of those players, uh, and doing so in the last few years with guys that maybe slipped through the cracks on my board, um, and, and finding commonalities that might do that. So there's a lot to, I, I would say just sort of reboot your brain hockey wise and just go, okay, like let's, let's just reboot, start something new. 
and 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 relearn what I think I know. Like it's kind of you know like Yoda, right? Like you must unlearn what you have learned and reboot from fresh from start from the start, and um, really sort of also also figure out this because there's a lot of different ways to be good at hockey and there's a lot of different ways to win at hockey and you know you can get away with certain things in certain ways but i think it's really important to identify how you weigh certain factors with what outcome you're expecting so like if you're a guy who's like well i think teams should be heavy and physical it's like okay great you can do that for sure but if you're going to do that through the context of the draft you've got to find guys that you think are quick enough and skilled enough to make a difference and while being physical and resilient is the key part of their game because if all they are are big and physical and strong and they can't move the puck you're not going to win you need something else to to mix in with that like it's it's kind of all about construction and filling in gaps and holes so for me when I look at drafting players I try to find the players that you know, I set size aside, I set physicality aside and I just go, let's look at the results and how they're generating the results. I don't really care how you do it. I just want to see it done. Like I don't really nitpick how a player skates outside of really extreme examples, but I just, I care about what they do when the puck is on their stick and how they use their feet and how they use their hands and all of those things. But that's just me. We're getting really far away from the, from the question. I would say Try to pick up a coding language of some kind, like R is probably the easier one, but Python is deeper, steeper learning curve, and but the syntax, I think it just is a little bit more intuitive. Um, and poke around in there and see what you can do. Also, like, find an angle that, if you want, like, public to be to be noticed, like, find an angle that is unique, right? Like, I started doing what I do because I didn't really notice anybody doing it already, and I still don't really see a ton of people really digging in as much as I do on on the actual, like, I am watching these games and getting the data myself kind of level. Um, so find something to focus on, right? Like, whether it's the draft or or something in the NHL or the AHL. Like, nobody tracks really micro stat tracks for the AHL, right? Like, that doesn't really exist right now. Um, and I'm sure there are people who have a lot of prospects. I get asked about prospects in the AHL constantly, and I go, I just don't have the time to watch that level that much. So... It depends on what you really want to get into, but uh, find an angle and and leverage it. Is Michelli like a Bobby Tom like a Bobby Robert Thomas? Uh, yeah, I guess you could say that. Sorry, I'm gonna have to like blast through some of these questions because we only have like 20 minutes left, and I'm starting to lose my voice. I haven't been drinking water. Michael Scott yelled at me. Okay. Uh, why is uh, at his current pace? Half a goal per game with 20 games left in the season. Matthew Mitchkov will surpass Ovechkin in 25 game less games. Courtesy of... Cool. Uh, why is Lucas Dragasevich ranked very low? Over a point per game defenseman in the WHL is hard enough as it is. What part of his game is keeping him away from being a top pick in the draft? He's a defenseman who doesn't play defense. He he he. You give him the puck. He carries it for you. He's not the best forward skater. He's very skilled. Um, but again, like... Tri-City doesn't have much, but Dragasevic has offensive ability, so they. Cl- I think it's pretty clear. They're, he, he, he is probably the least involved defensive player I have ever tracked. Like, less involved than, like, less, less involved than low involvement forwards. Like, he just sits back and sits back and sits back and never really gets involved in defending. Maybe that's a tactical thing. 
But when I watch him skating and it's not forward skating with the puck on his stick, it's, it's a step, it's more than a step behind. So again, like this is why I sort of set points aside. Like Dragasevic is a guy where you give the puck, you give him the puck. They give him the puck a lot because no one else can, can do anything on Tri-City really. Except for, uh, yeah, like not very many consistently right now with Tri-City can really do much. Um, and he can do whatever he wants. It's like Denton Matejcik last year, similarly, but I just don't see him as gifted a, a, a skater as as Matejcik was at times last year. I just don't see him on that level. So he's further behind. I that's I don't know. With and I know I'm not the only one who thinks that about Dragasevich. Like that, where it's like, yes, the points are very nice, but we're not drafting the guys who score points. We're drafting the guys who probably will become good NHL players. And outside, based on how he plays now, outside of extremely sheltered playing style and 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 minutes and giving him easier competition, I just don't really see that well-rounded defenseman out of Lucas Dragasevich personally. Uh, what do you think about Will Smith to the wings? I feel like they could use a right-handed setter, and I also feel like Whitelaw changes so much in everyone's board. Uh, yeah, I think Will Smith in Detroit would make a lot of sense. Uh, I don't think he's quite. Like they again, the guys they've drafted in the first round recently, like Marco Casper. I mean, he might it might be more like a even even Lucas Raymond. I think Lucas Raymond had bit, a bit more of a two way game. Same thing with Marco Casper. Um, I just think that it's less likely based on how they've drafted in the last few years. Um, like I would think that a Zach Benson might make sense for Detroit if they're gonna go with more of a skilled player or. Uh, I don't know, like if they wanted that cider style of player, like a Dmitry Simishev or, or maybe an Axel Sandin Pelika for more sort of firepower on their back end, which I think they kind of lack. Um, maybe that might be a better sort of fit that makes sense based on how they've drafted in the past few years. Um, something like that might make more sense, but I, I wouldn't mind it. I do. I mean, I've been saying for years that the Red Wings do kind of need another guy up the middle who can sort of glue everything together and, and drive play up the ice really well. I think Smith could be that, but he isn't that right now, I guess. Um, and with white law. Yeah. Like white law, some people love him, Um, and I understand why some people wouldn't draft him. And I also understand why. I get it. Like he is a very frustrating player, but the talent level is unbelievable. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'll be very curious to see how white law plays down the stretch for sure. Daniil boot, uh, thoughts. He's a lot better than he was to start the year. Um, I, I was, I've been really impressed with Daniel boot over the more times I see him. He's got a lot of skill for a big guy. Um, he's got a wicked shot. Uh, I personally, his, his, you know, it's funny when he wheels back and, and hooks in the, in the defensive end to, to get a breakout pass and skate up the ice, he can generate a lot of speed. Like he uses his body weight on his edges extremely well to generate speed. But if he's standing still and skating in a forwards line, he is slow and clunky and awkward to the point where it almost looks like he's like trying to deceive you with his, with his body and, and body fakes and everything. But I think it's just, he's not very, he's not very coordinated skating in a straight line, which is okay considering what he does do really well. Um, but I, I don't know. I look at Daniel boot as a guy where I think there's a lot of potential and I think he's a long-term bet. Like you give him a few years in Russia to get quicker, 
um, you know, and, and sort of work on ways to sort of create space for himself. But he's good, you know, he, he does score more goals than assists for sure. But in the games I've tracked of him at the MHL level, like he's been distributing pucks pretty well, especially around the, the middle lanes of the ice and driving a lot of dangerous pass attempts. And they don't always work out, but he is trying it. And he's done some really impressive little things here and there that, yeah, like he's come a ways since the beginning of the year for sure. And I, uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if a team drafted him way higher than I have him ranked. And I would not hate it. I would not hate it at all. Uh, he's a long-term bet, but I, I see it. Uh, for the Coyotes, do you think Cooley paired with Keller would be an effective pairing, or do you think their styles will conflict? I probably wouldn't do it right away. It might be fun to try, but personally, I think you surround guys like Keller and Cooley with guys who can finish, maybe more physical players, um, you know, like, uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, when if Arizona comes away with, like, Leo Carlson or something, like Leo Carlson with Clayton Keller on one line, and then on your other line, you've got uh, Logan Cooley with... I don't know who, maybe uh, Michelli or something. Maybe that might work. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like those two guys really like having the puck and play their best hockey when they have the puck, and I don't. I don't. I don't think you want to divide that too much. Has Ty Nelson been good? He's getting a lot of points. I mean, I've always thought Ty Nelson was good. I just thought last year was very mystifying with the way he was used um and and what his tendencies were on the ice but there was always a lot of talent there with ty nelson um i haven't watched much of north bay i don't think i've seen a single game of north bay this year so i don't know how he's played this year um but i'm not surprised he's scoring a lot more and i'm not surprised he's if he i wouldn't be surprised if he's taken a step in his game um what's your take on musty and hanzik and what's the biggest issue how you have with their game uh hanzik i think you know hanzik is great he's a big skilled guy he's big and has a lot of skill Pretty good shot as well, um, but I don't know if I buy just how good he is based on the production he's got. Quinton Musty, on the other hand, I have liked a lot more, uh, especially as the year's gone on. Really, he's another big, skilled guy, um, but I think he reads and analyzes off of pressure really, really well. Like, he anticipates on... He, he can sometimes get himself into trouble skating into pressure, but under pressure, he finds ways to make plays. And, and he's a guy who drives really, really strong offensive metrics. Um, I don't, I need to compare the two musty. Um, so I've got musty here. I mean, yeah, like musty, his offensive threat right now, after three games tracked, which is starting to stabilize things. It's, it's at almost 40, which is really, really high. And a lot of that stems from dangerous pass rates. Like if he maintains this rate of dangerous passing, it's probably amongst the highest I've ever tracked. And he's just driving a ton of chances inside the middle of the ice. He's also getting a lot of chances himself from the middle of the ice as well. He's up at 12 and a half shot attempts per 60 from high and medium danger. Like that's a lot. And I, I mean, I think, I think the, the, the playmaking into the slot is more volume oriented. Like he's not really doing like the Axel Sanding Pelica thing, like that going that extra step to, to, to make that pass a lot easier to execute. He's just kind of doing it, and so I have to track it. So I don't really buy it 100%, but he is doing it. He's trying a lot. Um, it's just I would ra I want him sort of working on, on making plays before he's forced to make a play a lot of the time because I think he's so used to being big and physical that he can sort of fight off guys smaller than him, but now things are evening out a little bit and he's having a little bit more trouble. Whereas, I mean, with and I'm talking a lot more about him than Hanzik, and I, I, I feel like I like him um, more. 
uh, than, than Hanzik. And I think Hanzik has similar echoes in his game, though, for sure. Uh, do you think Hudson Thornton has a chance of being drafted this year? I wouldn't, personally. I would be surprised if he got drafted, per- personally. I just I think NHL teams are looking for guys who can defend a lot better than Hudson Thornton, even for guys that lean a little bit offensively. Um, Lucas Gustafsson, he's not draft eligible, apparently. Uh, I don't think he is. Even though he's Swedish-American, he plays for Americans... Uh, he plays for, I think he's technically an American registered player. Um, but based on his age, I don't think he's draft eligible anymore. Did you say there were some decent Norwegian prospects? Yeah, there are. I mean, I like Petter Vesterheim, uh, but the, the best, I think the best Norwegians are coming next year. Um, Elias Stralmavatne is a guy I really like. Um, uh, uh, Michael Brent, Mikhail Brensig Nygaard is, uh, Nygaard, 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 I don't know. Brenseg Nugard, something like that. He's also pretty good for next year. Um, there's a guy, uh, Liam Satra, I think his name is. He's He's been interesting this year with Lillehammer, but not. I wouldn't draft him, but I want to keep him, you know, keep him in my back pocket to keep an eye on. Um, but yeah, like Norway is going to have a good team, a, dec- a pretty decent team at the World Juniors next year. They have a pretty good goalie as well. He's a UC Saros kind of guy. What's his name? Marcus Ronebach Stensrud. Uh, he's playing in the Norwegian Pro League um, on a very good team, but playing pretty well there too. Um, and he's been very good for Norway internationally up to this point. Uh, what did Colby Barlow and Ryan Leonard project in the NHL? Well, I am personally not a big Colby Barlow fan. Like, I wouldn't touch Colby Barlow in the first round at all, so I don't know what he projects in the NHL as. Ryan Leonard, maybe like a, like a smaller Josh Anderson type guy. He is that kind of guy. Wicked shooter, wicked straight line rush offense guy, um, attacks the middle a lot. Kind of brings me that kind of vibe uh, in the NHL. Um, I'm quite a big fan of White Lawn Cernic as potential skilled multi-threat complementary top six pieces. Yeah, how would I compare them? So <clears throat> I think I think White Law has more upside in terms of like I think White Law could be absolutely bananas in the NHL in terms of point production. Siernik, I think, might be just more of a supplementary offensive guy. Like, he's fast and he's skilled, just like Whitelaw is. I think he's smarter than Whitelaw. I think he just knows how to keep it simple and effective more than Whitelaw. Like, I've got them next door to each other right now. And when I look at Whitelaw, I see a guy who makes really low percentage decisions and just takes takes the weirdest routes and, and really sort of shies away... He shies away from really maximizing what he's capable of. Like he'll pull a skill move at the offensive blue line that will dazzle you and then lob it on the net from outside the face-off circles. And you're going, well, like you have a bit of space to play with, right? Like you can do stuff with what you've just done, but he just kind of makes the move and then makes the, makes, makes his attempt. Um, you know, he'll, he'll, He'll evade guys along the boards. He'll make quick turns and create a bit of space for himself and then just turn around again and rifle it on net from the boards. It's like, you know, like, look around, see if there's a play to be made, and either that or if you have the space, cut into the middle a little more, right? Like, I I feel like Whitelaw is still missing that selflessness, that dependable selflessness that I think Siernik has a little more of. But Whitelaw, when he does sort of take a step into the middle of the ice and take a shot for himself and and use his skill to his advantage, he's tremendous. So I think with Whitelaw, it's like you, again, 
I'm not a fan of the University of Wisconsin hockey team like at all, and I feel like it could be a struggle for Whitelaw there. But if you draft him in like the second round and you keep a really close eye on him and you know really make sure that he's getting sort of the best experience he can and you leave him in college for a few years, you could have a tremendous hockey player. Uh, it's just, it's frustrating now, but if he works it out, then you could really land something really impressive. Um, what do you think of Riley Height? We kind of went over him earlier. Uh, have you seen Dmitry Buchelnikov this season? Do you think he could make the Red Wings? Uh, uh, again, like, I'm not a big Dmitry Buchelnikov guy, um, but Red Wings fans seem to really love him. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I personally think that I, I want to see him in the KHL before, uh, I get really excited about him as an NHL player. I mean, I think he's very skilled. Um, I, I just don't know if his agility and explosiveness are enough to create space at the next level. Um, but his, his skill level certainly is, is enough and he can really shoot the puck. So I don't know. I, I, I don't I I still am a little more pessimistic especially with considering how high they drafted him and the guys they drafted him ahead of but you know I certainly think that looking back like yeah he's better than a lot of guys drafted in last year's draft and he probably should have been drafted um but I, again I I don't know we'll see what happens um but he's been good he's been very good this year in the VHL for sure uh what's the skinny on Hoyt Stanley I really like Coit Stanley. Like, again, this is not like White Law, but like similar trajectory of like, you send him to college for a few years and see what you get. He's big, really skilled kid, really smooth skater as well. Like, I really like Hoyt Stanley. Um, just a good procedural defenseman. I think he's skilled enough to be a little more deceptive than he already is. He can he can, he can do similar things to like Adam Fantilli, right? Where he sees an oncoming threat and will just get the puck away from him as soon as possible rather than say making a skill move or deceiving a guy a little bit. He does sometimes. And I want to exa- I want, I would want to make that better, bring that out more often. Um, because he's also really just, just a really, really talented package of size and skill and ranginess on his feet, really fluid and mobile. Um, he uses his reach pretty well. He still, I think is working out the lateral mobility backwards skating thing and, and closing out rushes and, and closing gaps and everything. I think that's still a work in progress, but you know, again, like as a, he's ranked in my second round and if you get him in the mid rounds, I, I think you've done really well. <clears throat> um, does Oliver Moore, uh, have one, have one, uh, one C on a contending team ceiling? I don't think so. Mi- a really good third line, good second line guy on a contender. Sure, I could see it. Uh, does Will Smith have it? I think maybe Will Smith is along the same lanes. Like I have more higher than Smith right now, and I think that I think that both of those guys project about similarly in terms of where they could be in an NHL lineup. Martin Mishak going to the USHL. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, that's going to be fun if it is a thing that actually happens. Uh, I really hope he does because I feel like he'll play a ton of minutes, uh, and I would love to see him there for sure. What happened to Marcus Almquist? Uh, the Victoria Royals happened. And again, like Marcus Almquist is very sort of similar to maybe a Will Whitelaw kind of thing where when he was draft eligible, I watched him and I'm going, yeah, very talented player, fast with a wicked shot, but he's not really playing as an, as a team guy. 
it, if he didn't have the puck, he was flying and zipping around and not really doing a whole lot. Where I mean, I think Whitelaw brings a little bit more to the table than Almquist does. But with Almquist, I was kind of hoping that he would sort of diversify his game a little bit, um, be a little more selfless, uh, bring a little bit more defensively rather than sort of float around waiting for an offensive rush because you'll get burned doing that. Uh, and Victoria just stinks. They're not good. They don't have very many players that can help him. Um, so I don't know. I don't think it's over for Almquist. I'll be very curious to see. He'll. I, I imagine he'll go back to Denmark or Sweden uh, after this season and we'll see what happens with him because, I don't know, when I watch him with Victoria, he still has those moments where you're like, holy crap, but those moments only really come out when he has a lot of space to work with and a lot of speed and he just attacks the net. And and you need to have more than that, I think, to make it work. But he just hasn't really rounded out his game, really, or, or made huge improvements, and I think that that's really harmed him. Uh, I'll skip the Tom Lalonde question because we kind of went over him earlier. Have I watched any of Bill Zonin with Ruin Naranda? No, but I watched him last year and really liked him. I really like Bill Zonin, and it's not just because his name is Bill. Uh, I really, really like Bill Zonin, though. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, big, skilled, rangy guy, uh, creative. But yeah, I haven't watched Bill Zonin with Ruin Naranda, and you just reminded me that I want to. I definitely want to watch Bill Zonin, for sure. So I will. I shall. Because I like him quite a bit. Yeah, I was I was doing the rounds on prep school, and I think I was watching a team play Northwood last year. Uh, it might have been Kimball Union. I don't know. And I was like, who is this guy? And then I look, and I'm like, he's a 2025 eligible kid, six foot two winger. Like, yeah, I'll, yeah, sure. And I've liked him ever since uh thoughts on Arseny Gritsyuk always loved him I hope he works out he's just gotten better and better every single year uh skilled dude but he's gotten better every year I love it are you looking forward to everyone and their dog asking you about Fantilli's real value and ranking after his poor performance at the world juniors uh you know look I know it, it I, I get it like you're making kind of a joke which is I get it uh, but honestly, like when people ask me questions that are asked so often that they almost become like a micro meme, uh, I don't really mind. Like I know what my read on Joshua Wa is at this point, for example, and people love, like I'm doing, a uh, oh, I guess this is a, as good a time as any to announce, uh, at two hours into the stream that, uh, I'm doing an AMA on, uh, February 5th. I'll announce it again on the next, uh, few live streams, February 5th on the Habs subreddit. So if you want, if you're a Reddit person, you can go in there and uh, and and I'll answer some questions. But I all the jokes in the post about me being uh, on uh, doing an AMA there are all about Joshua Waugh. <laughs> and I love it. I mean, like, I know what I think about Joshua Waugh. And if I'm wrong, like, well, I'm wrong, whatever. It, it happens. But uh, I don't really mind because I'm confident in, in what I'm seeing. Like with, Mar with Matt Vemichkov this year, like, I'm confident in what I've seen out of him and I've seen him enough times to be like, yeah, I'm, I don't think I'd take him in the top five. Like, I just don't think I'd do that beyond that. Sure. Yeah. He's in the mix for sure. But I just don't think he's like at that level. Um, so when I see like Fantilli and I have heard a lot of people talk about Fantilli, maybe not having the best world junior, but I thought he played pretty well. I thought he played pretty freaking well. Um, especially for a draft eligible kid at that tournament on Canada. And believe me, Canada finds any reason to, to play their draft eligible guys less um, and they certainly played him enough and I thought he played pretty well. Um, so yeah, so I don't really mind. I don't know. It, it just is what it is. 
Thoughts on Maverick Bork struggles in the AHL this year. Will it be a fluke like Zari last year? Could he still be a top six forward? Yeah, I think he could still be a top six forward. I think, um, I don't know. I have, again, I haven't seen much of the AHL. I haven't seen much of Maverick Bork at all. Um, but again, like this might be another lesson for me. And this might be another reason why when I look at the Quebec league, I still struggle with really accurately evaluating their players because I just don't think that league is particularly good. Now, I think you give Maverick Bork as much time in the AHL as he needs because I do think he bucks that trend. I think he's good enough and skilled enough and creative enough and, and smart enough to 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 get there. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Sometimes it takes time to figure it out in the AHL. Like, there's no rush. The last thing you should be doing is rushing your players. I don't know if his minutes have been sheltered or, or whatever, but... Uh, I'm not super concerned. I remember watching him in the preseason, and I thought he looked really, 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 really good. Uh, same thing with Logan Stankoven, so I think he's going to be fine. Um, what do you think of the strengths of Brandon Svoboda's games? I coached him growing up, and I'm happy he's getting some well-deserved attention. Oh, great. Jeff, amazing to meet you on the internet. Uh, I really like Brandon Svoboda. I, I, I think he could be a sneaky good late-round pick. Like, he is... I, I He plays... And, and you're a coach, right? Like, and and I'm I'm pretending you're sitting here with me, and, and I'm like excited because I love Brandon Svoboda, like because of how he plays. Like, he's a center who plays the style of play up the middle that I want my centers to play. He's got the skill, sure, but he's got you know he's got the length, he's got the reach, and he's a good skater. He applies himself in every single zone. Like, yes, I can nitpick you know, um, his, you know, he can skate into a lot of pressure and, and, and sort of turn pucks over when he doesn't really need to. And, and I can see why he's maybe not scoring as much as you would kind of hope, but I also feel like you give him enough time and he'll sort of get there. Um, you know, he's a, he's a pretty efficient transition guy. He's very involved defensively and very effective defensively. Like he just, he's a very admirable player to watch. And and he's a guy that I'd love to coach. And I feel like you give him a few years in college and he's only just going to get better and better and better, right? The more skilled he gets, the more experience he has, the, 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 every, everything. I think it, it'll, it'll get really, really good, uh, over time with Svoboda, um, to become maybe, you know, he might be one of these guys where if he goes undrafted this year, next year, the year after, like if I'm his agent, I'm patting him on the back and be like, don't worry. Like you're doing everything right. You know, it just isn't quite there yet, but I wouldn't give up. Right. Like you go to college two, three, four years in college. And I get the feeling that if he's not drafted by that point, someone will give him a chance in the NHL or AHL. And from there, it's just a matter of working your way up. Right. Like never in a million years would I have thought Bobby McMahon would be an NHL player, but he's playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight and last night. Uh, and I feel like Svoboda could be one of these guys that sort of flies under the radar at the age of 17, 18, and then slowly keeps getting better and better um, over the years. And I, I, I've i really, really liked what Brandon Svoboda brings to the game, uh, especially just with the work rate he brings at both ends. So yeah, great, great to, great to meet someone who, uh, to, who, who coached a guy that I've, I've spotted and, and have really liked over the course of this year. Um, even if it's not like I'm going to rank him really high, like, I have him on my watch list and he's going to stay there just because I really like how he plays. Uh, Luca, hello. Uh, it seems like the first 10 picks could all be forward. So what what defenseman do you expect to be talked about to be taken in the late first in the draft and how early is the – taken first in the draft and how early is the earliest they go? I mean, I get the feeling that Axel Sandin Pelica is working his way up to that point. 
to being the first defenseman off the board. Um, that's probably who I would take first off the board. Maybe Gulyai, maybe Simashev, probably not Gulyayev, but maybe Simashev. Um, and in that case, I would, uh, oh, weird. Oh no, that's fine. Um, and in that case, maybe I would, um, you know, I, 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 I get the feeling that if anyone's going to like shock the world, I feel like Simashev in the top 10 could be, and being the first defenseman off the board would shock a lot of people. Uh, and I don't think it's likely, but I would love it if it happened. And I, I think that that could be reasonable because I've got three defensemen in my top 10 this year. Uh, even though that group from six to 15 is really, really, really close. If Vancouver manages to draft Axel Sandy and Pelica, do you think him and Yoni Yermo could make a decent second pairing in the future? Probably not. Um, maybe, maybe I would try it, but I get the feeling that separating them would be good. Cause I also think Yoni Yermo is pretty skilled and has good, good ability to work off the offensive blue line and such. Um, but I mean, it would be nice to have both. Uh, would Leo Carlson be a good fit on the ducks? Um, sure. Yeah. I mean like him playing center behind, uh, I can't remember if Mason McTavish is playing center or wing this year. I honestly don't remember, but if you have a one, two punch of Carlson Zegris, you're doing okay. Uh, or of Carlson McTavish or whoever you want playing wherever I get the feeling that's a pretty good one, two punch. I'd rather have Bedard personally. Um, even if he ended up being a winger or something, but you know, Carlson wouldn't be that bad. If you have a top three pick in this year's draft, you're going to get a very good player. Even, I mean, I'd say top five for sure. Um, does Edmondson have top pair potential? I mean, it's possible. I think top four is more reasonable, but it's possible. I mean, again, top pair means just whoever the coach wants to play the most minutes. Could that be Edmondson? Yeah, I think it's entirely possible. Um, but it may be top four is more realistic. And then if he gets to that point, great. You know, so I, again, I am always more conservative, right? Top pair defensemen. There's not that many of them in the NHL. So, I don't really like putting the expectation on a teenager of like, you could be one of the 30, 30 to 40 best defensemen in the entire national hockey league. I just think that that's really, really lofty. Um, and I'd rather just say like, we, you know, really important part of the team and how important is kind of up to the sands of time, so to speak. Uh, who do you think Calgary should draft in the first round? The best player they can. Um, but I don't think they will. <laughs> Uh, Calgary has a tight man. Like the, the, I don't know what's going on in Calgary, but, uh, you know, Brad for living drafting is always very strange. Um, they tend to draft their sort of skilled guys later and earlier. They tend to go for like the heavier physical guys. Um, you know, like their, their last high pick was like Connor Zary and he's not the most exciting guy in the world. So like, could an Edward Chalet end up in Calgary if he slips in the draft could, uh, you know, does, does Calgary go for like a Dalibor Dvorsky if he slips in the drafts, uh, David Reinbacher, if he's available, maybe a good, like that could be a good fit. I think for Calgary, um, based on the type of play, like Charlie Strammel in Calgary sounds like it could be a thing. Like, I feel like Brent, like, uh, Daryl Sutter is going to really like him. Um, yeah, I don't know. Any Swiss prospects to keep an eye on for this draft and future drafts? Uh, um, I like Leo Briard. I don't know if I would draft him, but I like him. Let's take a look at the Swiss, the Swiss U17 team and who's been playing on that roster. Cause I feel like they might have a couple, uh, and I'm wrong. I don't remember any of these guys. 
Uh, Niels Verley is neat. I've seen a couple of games of him, and he's been kind of fun. Oh, my God. That can't be Nat Domenichelli's son, Leonardo. Oh, my God, it is. Oh, I'm so old. I remember watching Nat Domenichelli when I was a kid. Uh, holy smokes. Yeah, I remember this guy. Atlanta Thrasher's legend. Um, is, J is that J.J. Moser's brother? I think it is. Oh, no, it's not. Anyway, uh, yeah, I don't know. Off the top of my head, there aren't that many Swedes, but I like Leo Briard. I liked uh, Likit Rekla at the World Juniors this year for the Swiss team. Uh, Atelier Biasca also played pretty well. I wouldn't draft those guys. Someone asked about Lorenzo Cananica, and we'll close on this. I liked Lorenzo Cananica last year, but uh, I, I, I'm not surprised he didn't get drafted. I don't think he will get drafted this year, but the Swiss have a lot of decent players, but I don't think a lot of like decent NHL prospects, so to speak. Um, like, let's just, just quickly. U20... Elite, I think is what it's called, yes. Um, yeah, like... Uh, the, 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 yeah, uh, Leo Briard's probably the guy eligible this year that I've kind of liked, but I don't I don't think I would draft him. Um, draft eligibility, uh, let's just say, because I don't think there are any this year. Um, who have I seen? I'm trying to remember who I've actually seen. I think I've seen Lucas Hedlund and kind of liked him, although he's Swedish. Um, Nino Niederman. There's a name. Uh, yeah, I don't know who Yamiro Reber is. Yeah, Niels Verley is probably the guy that I've liked the most. Um, Christian Kirsch, the goaltender, he's stopped a lot of pucks over the years. That's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, not a not a tremendous amount. Slovakia seems to be where it's at for the next couple of years, in my opinion. Slovakia and Czech. Uh, anyway, that's gonna be it for tonight. We ran a little long, but I hope that's okay. I'm sure you don't mind. Thank you very much for joining me. Uh, thank you to the sponsors of the show, Fanatics. You can use the QR code above for my affiliate link. Um, Marcus Gustafson for sponsoring the show. Uh, and McKean's Hockey for supporting my work. Uh, you can uh, follow me on scouching.ca uh, and scouching on Twitter, the YouTube channel that you're obviously on. Um, so yeah, there's a, lot, uh, there's a lot going on. I will have a Substack post coming out for more detail, uh, detailed analysis of the draft eligible players at the World Juniors this year. So I'll be putting that together over the next over the weekend probably um thank you very much for watching this is always a really really fun time really really great to interact with you all um again happy new year stay safe i'm doing an ama on uh the Habs subreddit on february 5th uh first podcast appearance of the of the year also happens this weekend i'll be on locked on sharks again with my good friend uh, my good friend jd over there um so uh, that's going to be a lot of fun it's always a lot of fun hanging out with him so thank you very much have a great remainder of your evening uh, stay safe and uh, live your lives.